The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual guests. sensitive snowflake that may get easily offended and turn this off immediately. If you want to hear the real truth about the gun culture, then stick around. This is the Armed Citizen Podcast. What's going on, my ghost squad? Welcome to the Armed Citizen Podcast Live. This is episode number 237. Today's date is Tuesday, April 12th, 2022. We are live, as always, on YouTube and over on Facebook. So if you're out there in the live chat, go ahead and say something. We don't know that you're out there unless you do say something. If you would like to uh, call or text into the show, yes, you can call and text into the show. Utilize the Ghost Tactical Hotline presented by our good friends Rod and Shelly Gates at Aegis Gun Care. That phone number is 530-364-4678. If you're a veteran, really anybody, but especially if you're a veteran and you're in that hole, you're in the darkness and you're looking for that light, call me, text me, email me 24-7 and I cannot give you medical advice, but I might be a pretty decent ear to help you through some stuff. If you are looking for someone that can get you towards medical advice, remember two things. One, you are not alone in this fight. You have a lot of brothers and sisters out here that are willing and able to help. And two... The world is a much better place with you in it. So please utilize the Veteran Crisis Hotline, 1-800-273-8255. Once again, 1-800-273-8255. Veterans press the number one. We are spotlighting, as always, United States Marine Corps. So if you have any questions on what it takes to earn the title United States Marines, see the website marines.com. And as always, we are a proud member of the Self-Defense Radio Network. Check out all the great podcasts over on selfdefenseradio.net. Let me get this off of my beautiful mug and bring in. That is not an avatar. That is not a logo, folks. That is the real Clovertack. You will notice with his magical presence and magical abilities, he will not move from that position for the next hour plus. So... Uh, pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. The, uh, what is it? The Royal Palace Guards? They ain't got nothing on me, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, have you ever watched any of those YouTube videos? Oh, of yeah. Trying to make? Oh, man. I don't know how they do it. I really, I really don't know how they do it because I would be cracking up, you know. Um, there are some people out there that do some funny, funny things. Uh, let's do a quick shout out. Uh, before we get going to some people out there, we'll give it time for the Al Gore rhythms to uh, take care of itself. Tactical FUDs out there. Buck says, hey, ghosts and everybody. Rod out there says, go ahead and start. I'm here. Thank you. Gizzard Gary says, up, ghost squad? Ozzy says, boo. And I replied, bark at the moon. C&T designs and arms. Sup, perps. Sup, homie. What's up? Lance is out there with off the X. Uh, let's see here. Guns and barbecues out there. Defense dad says, I see gun people. I see gun people. TJ's out there. TJ's got a link in his email. If he checks it, love to have him join. He said, what up, Buck? He doesn't say hi to any of us. He just says, hey, the Buck. So I, I get it. Buck's a, Buck's a popular guy. Uh, Gunpowder Beauty. Hello, darling. She is out there. I hope... Uh, 
you let Tar Dot out of the dungeon for a little bit. It's nice to maybe see his face every now and then, but uh, maybe. Mr. FNH says, what up, mofos? What up, FNH? Big Al says, folks, howdy. Howdy, Big Al. Uh, let's see here. And TJ says he'll be here as soon as the boy finishes homework on the computer. I understand. I understand. Uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll bring him in when he can. So, like I said, as always, our quasi co-host of this fiasco, this train wreck, if you will, the stagecoach towards hell. And speaking of stagecoaches, uh, Clove, what you got for the shotgun of the week? Let's go old school antique. Let's go Winchester eighteen eighty seven. Okay, so obviously the model 1887, How do you know when they stopped producing that model? They, they produced that for a long time, or was it a very short run? That's a good question. I'm not... Uh, I only ask good questions, you know? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. Um, okay. A few years, I don't think they went super long with it. Not nearly as long as you see modern production runs anyway, which is common back then. Yeah. What makes that model so awesome in your eyes uh lever action shotgun i mean That's back in cool. back in 1887 i mean you, you, you had lever action rifles right um uh, and the action is kind of neat on it as well um i don't know it really didn't quite it didn't work the same probably because of big honking shotgun shells but it the action was different than um uh, or traditional lever action rifle so it was kind of a, a weird it's kind of a weird looking action on it i don't know how to explain it okay well i mean obviously you know that i am uh, not the biggest shotgun aficionado uh, if you will so let me ask you this back in the 1880s when the shotgun was let's be honest it was probably one of the most um sought after i mean it, it was a phenomenal phenomenally uh sought after weapon because it was good at what it did for what they needed for in the wild west let's say so back then like what kind of gauges were popular back then uh big ones big ones so, um you know, even twelve was was small. Quite honestly, so like uh, six, eight, ten was like the normal. A lot of eights, a lot of a lot of tens, a lot of tens for sure. And, yeah, and then, uh, and a lot you've seen a lot of eights. Uh, I think I think ten was maybe the maybe the king, and then you okay. you okay. seen you know twelves and and eights. Uh, just consulted a, a book real quick. Uh, the eighteen eighty seven uh, produced through the late eighteen nineties. Uh, and then the 1901 model followed, which was produced up until up through the teens, late teens. So, okay. Okay. So it was there for, and, and, and a couple different models, but the design was there for 20 years or so, roughly About 20, yeah, 20 to 30 years. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's not bad. Um, C and T design says is everyone having a good week so far, or has it been that shoot me now kind of week? It's, it hasn't been a bad week. It's been a great week. It's been raining, basically. Uh, we had a major... By the way, I want to make sure... I was going to send Buck a text earlier. Um, I got a, a video from another buddy of mine that lives in the same town as Buck, and I, we were having like golf size, uh, golf ball size hail last night in the area. 
Uh, so I'm going to check on book. Hope everything's okay and all of that because it was pretty powerful storm coming through last night. Got another one coming through tonight. Going to be raining all day tomorrow. It's just it's springtime in Arkansas, but my God, I can't wait for it to to just quit raining. You know, I'll be in June or July, probably July and August. I'll be begging for rain, but that's not right now. You know, not right now. Um, how how what kind of weeks have been for you? I know you've been working on a lot of thumbnails. Oh man, days. yesterday was yesterday sucked. Um, yesterday during the day, anyway. Um, yeah, anytime you have to drop a hundred bucks that you don't foresee having to drop. And what sucks is I just bought a shotgun, what three days prior or something like that. And I was like, ah, oh. you know, um, now I'll end up flipping another gun I've got to pay for the shotgun once that, that shotgun gets here. But, uh, I'm yeah. like, oh, I couldn't come at a worse freaking time for that to happen. But, you know, it's, it had to be done. I didn't have any choice. And so that really put me in a, not a great mood yesterday on top of having to edit out the launch air pop course for last night, which is, I don't know, it was like 33 minutes and that's just brutal. I mean, I don't like editing a five minute video, let alone a 33 minute video. And so that sucked and yeah, but it's, uh, it's gotten a little better. Yeah. CNT design says, where are you at in Arkansas? Uh, he has family and a couple downs. I am in North Central Arkansas. I'll put it that way. North Central Arkansas. Um, so, yeah. Um, all right. Before we get going, uh, as always, on Thursday, Saturday, and Monday at 10 a.m. over in our YouTube community tab, we put our ghost tactical polls out there. We have some fun with them so let's uh let's go uh to the first one was last thursday i didn't figure this would get a whole lot of participation because it's a golf question this past weekend was masters weekend at augusta national so i put out there on thursday what's the best golf major of the year had about 700 votes uh that obviously the four majors the masters pga championship u.s open and british open were the uh options because there's only four of them and masters overwhelmingly with 73 percent um i would some people say oh well it's because it was masters weekend if, if you're a golfer masters weekend means so much to the golf community not just because it's the first major of the year it's it's augusta national it's the only major that plays the same golf course every year everything else rotates and all of that and augusta is widely considered the greatest golf course ever built and in the world. Um, so yeah, the masters has just a little bit bigger place in most golfers, true golfers heart. So uh, I'm not going to ask Clover cause I think the only golf course that he likes is maybe a putt putt course every now and then. Um, I don't think you keep up with golf too much. Yeah. I don't keep up with a lot of sports anymore, but I have watched, yeah. I've watched golf and I've, um, I went to the driving range and does things like that. I don't know that I've actually played on a, on a course, obviously, I've done putt putt and actually right. the practice green uh, greens and things too, but sure. never actually on a course. Um, just driving balls, you know. Uh, I think my sure. uncle some time ago, my uncle gave me a. I don't even remember. I don't have them anymore, but he gave me a set of clubs and like for Father's Day, my birthday, my kids would always buy me golf balls and tees, and yeah. we would get out in the yard and literally, it's I don't know, two hundred yards. 150, 200 yards to the, to the tree line for the woods. Yeah. And, and we would just hit them until we couldn't go find them anymore. Basically, you, go. you know, what's interesting about that 
is I can remember this is my great grandmother's place and I can always remember there being snakes pretty bad. Oh, and, I, and I gotta wonder if driving all those golf balls into the woods didn't lower the snake population here a little bit because uh we all know they, they can think they're eggs and swallow them and that's not mm -hmm. good for the snakes. Not but, good for snakes. Yeah, not being a not being a golfer and not following it heavily. Um I like the idea of the US Open. Yeah, sure. Uh, the U.S. and what they call the Open, which here in America we call the British Open, but it's actually called the Open, which is actually the oldest golf tournament in the world. Those two are technically open to anyone. Um, you have you can qualify, and it's a long two or three step process to actually qualify. But anyone, whether you're a pro or an amateur, whether you drive a mail truck or you're a CEO of a major Forbes 500 uh, corporation has the opportunity if you choose to do so to try to qualify for either one of those open. So yeah, that, that's the cool even thing about the U S open and the open, the British open, if you will, even a, um, even a driving range pro whose checks are signed by a stripper, right? That's true. <laughs> and if you guys don't get that reference, go watch 10 cup and you will understand Roy McAvoy. Uh, ironically, um, Soon thereafter, it came. That movie came out. I was working. Um, I had just gotten out of the Marine Corps, I believe, um, and I was working at a, a small club that had a double decker driving range in, in Texas. And a lot of people called me Ten Cup because I was a good player that was working at a driving range in Texas. So. Um, luckily I outgrew that nickname cause that was, in, you know, it, it is what it is. I but, drove, uh, uh, I drove through, um, when I went to, when I went out to Phoenix for GRPC in 2019, mm -hmm. I drove mm -hmm. through, um, uh, and actually seen the, one of the, um, uh, golf courses that was used for that movie. Yeah. I can't, I can't remember now what town it was in out there, out in West Texas. I can't remember. The the course that and I don't remember which one I believe if I remember this correctly the course that they used for the U.S. Open was in Longview. I don't remember maybe it might have been like Longview Country Club. Or, I'm pretty sure it was in Longview. And that's the course that they used for the Open. Um, ironically, all those courses, yeah, they filmed it all in Texas, but uh, you couldn't really find a lot of tree line courses in West Texas, so they had to go to Longview, I think, and, and borrowed a course there. But I want to say it was Longview. I might be wrong about that, but I think it was in Longview that they used their one of the courses there. So, yeah, pretty cool, pretty cool. Um, our second question has 1.5 thousand votes, and it says, would you rather travel to A, the past, or B, the future? Clove, um, would you rather travel to the past or the future? Yeah, I think I'm going to go past because um, you may travel into the abyss if you travel into the future. You know, who knows what's happening? An asteroid could hit tomorrow, and if you travel into the future, you're basically dead in space, right? So I'd rather yeah. go back. I think I think we can learn a lot more going to the past. I think it'd be more interesting, quite honestly. Yeah, and, and you know, here's the thing. TV shows and movies and all of that forever have depicted, you know, and there was actually a TV show based on this. I can't remember. It was a few years back 
uh, talking about if you went back to the past, you know, and you did something differently, it could, you know, changing anything in the past would change the future. So if you travel back to the past, would you there be strictly as an observer or would you try to right some wrongs or change the past into the future? Well, we've talked about it privately. I do think when you talk about that paradox, right, I, I do think in disrupting the timelines, I do think that I do think there are ways in which you can handle it that would not disrupt the timeline. I, I think yeah. uh, you'd have to give it some thought depending on where you were going and what you were doing and that sort of thing. But I, th I think it could happen. Yeah. Now I want to kind of little, throw a little caveat to this because Clover mentioned that he and I have talked about this in the past in a private conversation. Um, we have some very strange conversations. Um, our conversations very rarely are about firearms unless one of us calls about a specific you know topic. Most of the time when we talk, it's random shit that, and you're right. I remember the conversation. It was maybe a year or two ago we had this conversation. I don't know how or why we got onto that conversation, but we did. I, re I do remember having a conversation about being able possibly to go back to the future right some wrongs without necessarily changing the entire path of history, you the know, course of history. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, it's an interesting concept. Um, because for me, I, I would want to travel to the past as well. Um, I think, I think that I would probably, it's going to sound weird, but I think I'd like to just be an observer. I think I would like to travel back into some yeah. very historic times and events and see them live, if you will. Um, you know, some of the great speeches in the world, you know, I would like to go and see the Gettysburg Address or something. Like, you know, I, I would like to see some of that stuff live and with the now, let me ask you this. If you were to travel to the past, would you want to have your knowledge and memory of today as you travel to the past or be oh, absolutely. no, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I think the key, right. And we, we talked about this. I think the key to traveling to the past is you don't want to change anything or set up anything in any way that changes the course of the timeline up until the point mm -hmm. you left to go back in time. Correct. Now, now if, you, now, if you set things in motion to have to happen after that point, which would be the point at which you return, that would then be the future, and then so it wouldn't be a big deal. And then CT out there is absolutely wrong. I hate to tell him this. He said, I'm going to the future and coming back with the winning lottery numbers. That disrupts the timeline. Yeah. What we're talking about is going back to the future. And let's just say mid to late, late, late 70s. Let's just use this as an example. Okay. And get involved in buying Apple stock when but, not all, not, but not all of not it not all of it you don't cash it you you hide it somewhere yep. so that when you go back to present day or what we talked about was putting it into a trust a trust yeah with your future or you self. couldn't do anything for future self so you couldn't do anything while that 30 or 40 years had gone on with it like you said but when we got back to present time 
you could do something with it because then you're changing the future, not changing the past. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It gets gets tricky. We don't want to have this conversation on to the next poll. (laughs) Yeah. On the next poll. Uh, No kidding. (laughs) Um, 71% do agree with us. They would rather travel to the past. 29 say to the future. Let me go through a couple comments. Um, and uh, there was some really cool stuff talking about family, seeing family, you know, going back and seeing family one that more time. And, that could be neat. Uh, st- stuff like that. Those was some really. Uh, or even getting to meet, ones. you know, but of course that would be, it would be tricky. I mean, because you wouldn't want those people to know you were their ancestor. So yeah. you would have to, you know, have conversations or, or arrange a chance meeting. Yeah, because you're not going to the past and looking like you did in the past. You're going at your present self. You might be going to the past where you weren't ever born, you know. Right. Uh, and that's more what I'm talking about. If you went yeah. back, you, you wouldn't want to go back and visit with your great, great, great grandfather you know, yeah. and say, hey, I'm your great, great, great grandson. Because then that, that he knows at that point that time travel is possible and that completely changes the course of the future at that point. So yep. you, you can't Absolutely. do that. That's That's too major. So let me ask you this. This is the last question we're going to put out there. You sure? <laughs> no. No. Um, if you could go back into history and you could have dinner with four people. Okay. At all at, all in the same time period or it didn't matter? No, no, like, no. Just like anyone Bill and Ted's history. Yeah. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. You could cherry pick from anyone at any okay. time frame, but you get four people and- to have dinner with you. Okay, and another caveat, language is no barrier, right? We've got a universal nah, translator or whatever. Okay. Wherever we're going to wherever we're going to eat dinner, it's some weird We've got inter- translators interdimensional thing. Yeah, like Star Trek or whatever. Or like um, the UA, they just translate everything in your ear, you know. There you go. Um man, anybody. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. So there would have to be a gun guy for sure in that. I'm thinking I hate to dig on on Samuel Colt, but I maybe probably Browning. I was gonna say I, I, I'm surprised you're not picking John Moses. Yeah, yeah, probably probably Browning. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to go way back, man. I want to go into like Aristotle or maybe Socrates, right? Not to not to dig on mm-hmm. Bill and Ted, but you know what I'm saying? A really yeah, ancient yeah. philosopher type, sure. for sure. There would have to be that. Um. Hey, what else? Who else? That's a tough one when you say fours. Like, good Lord, four. I know. Hmm. I thought I you'd have, want to have, I thought it'd be, I mean, four was a number because I, I could think of a bunch. You know, I can uh, too, but that's my problem. It's like, I'm hesitant. To, yeah. You know, got to be a gun guy there. I really like the idea of some old ancient philosopher type there. I think that'd sure. be cool. So, you know, Probably Aristotle, to be honest with you. Okay. Right. Um, dang it, they get through history. Good lord. Um, hmm, hmm, maybe I don't know, man. May, uh, Franklin, I'm thinking Franklin. 
Franklin would be a good one. I mean, I he, so oh, we could we could party with Franklin, man. You know oh, we could. He could, yeah. he got all the chicks, all the chicks. Yeah. Um, so probably Franklin, because I'm thinking somebody in that time period would be would be pretty awesome. I would say Jefferson or Adams, but I don't Franklin think would be more fun, fun with them. Franklin I'm saying. I don't would think be have fun. fun with them. Yeah, Franklin was a party animal. I would. Oh. I think that'd be. I think they'd be who he knew were all the houses of ill repute. Everything was that. Um, and plus all he had clout. By plus way. he had, had clout, right? All the, yeah, all over the world. That yeah, world, anywhere world wide. He could get into any club, any whatever he wanted to. It was awesome. Um, and then. You know, maybe, maybe Alexander the Great, Ooh, that's somebody that's well traveled, right? And I mean, yeah, Alexander the Great would be one. I, I thought at first maybe Columbus or Cortez or mm. you know somebody like that. But then Alexander the Great also has the, the whole conquering you know, military it, 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 leader, and I like the idea of having a conversation with the military leader type as yeah. well, right? So. Maybe mm-hmm. Alexander the Great. Maybe that's my four. That's my soft four. Let's put it that way. Benjamin Franklin, right. John Moses Browning, Alexander the Great, and Aristotle. Interesting. Yeah, I like that. That's a good one. That's a, that'd be that'd be a uh, a lively conversation, probably. Can you imagine Aristotle and Franklin having a conversation together? Oh God. Oh that, my God. That would take be the, uh, uh, that would break the matrix right there. Yeah, take the uh, voice recorder with you on your no trip. No doubt. Sure. No doubt. Mm, yeah. All right. Um, let's go into our last poll, which has something to do with what we're going to talk about tonight. Um, and typically, we try to do that. Uh, yes, we put out a poll. It has 1.4 thousand votes. What's the most important type of training to get? Basic pistol, basic rifle, CQB. Stop the bleed or an active shooter. Clove, what do you say? I'm going to stop the bleed. I would do the same, and we have talked about this many times before. Um, Stop the bleed or even a basic first aid class can get you by and, and get you through some very difficult much more than any firearm training let's just be honest about that because um how many times do you need to even if it takes a band-aid and all of that but how many times have you had to um honestly render first aid or stop the bleed versus having to use a weapon well the other the other choices other than stop the bleed are applicable only to yourself really that's correct or stop the bleed is applicable to anybody and everybody in a multitude of situations not just Mm -hmm. defensive so yeah yeah for me it's a no for me it's a no-brainer i it probably is not the winner of the bowl but it's a uh for me it's a no-brainer yeah um and that's why i put that and i actually put it in that spot down there because i knew that people would have to get through the three um, how to put this popular pistol rifle and CQB are the, the three most popular types of so, firearm training. So you had to get through those three choices before you get to read stop the bleed. And most people probably vote before they got to it. So, so you admit to rigging the poll. That's what you're saying. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I wanted to see if people, what people, you know, and that's what these polls are for is to see, you know, are people 
gonna oh that looks, let's click that one you know um but yeah basic pistol is 52 percent uh basic rifle came in in second oh i'm sorry stop the bleed came in at second at 25 percent which is still a good number um basic rifle came in in third at nine percent and cqb slash active shooter um came in tied fourth for fourth i guess at seven percent a lot of people would think that cqb and active shooter are the same thing and they are completely not the same thing um one has to do with um hunting really clearing rooms hunting if you will an objective the other is if someone is doing the hunting how to survive that hunt so um yeah and i think both of those are the most unlikely things you would ever need sure sure um and then this is another reason and and tactical bud makes a good point he said the other the other trainings are no good if you don't know how to stop the bleed to make this true true. um but so those are the least likely to ever happen to you and then when you're talking basic pistol and basic rifle it's basic so depending on who you are it's like do you really need basic if you're a lifelong firearm owner and have shot competition and then it, you know what I'm saying? I mean, if you've got yeah. all that experience, I mean, do you need, I mean, when you going through military and everything else, do you really need basic pistol? Need a basic uh, rifle. Uh, you know, that, that's, that's an interesting question because I do every year. Uh, I take one every year locally or whatever. Um, I get not because I'm one, there you, to learn something. One. Do you need one? Or are you taking it to probably not yeah. is a refresh? Um, but I will say this, there are very few times when I'm not working with somebody, um, that I don't learn something from everyone. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I know uh, I if it's something a little bit, but no, I mean, I, I hear exactly what you're well, saying. This is um, one of, this is one you know, of for you and I might be different than someone who's never had formal training at all um you know you can learn let's just be honest and i and i hope that and i'm sure clover is the same way we both have videos that help people with grip and stance and basics learning how to shoot you can uh learn the basics of pistol and rifle shooting um from youtube videos and never actually ever have to go to a class to to learn um I don't necessarily recommend that, but you can, you, you absolutely, you can just go to the range and repetition. Um, as long as you have, you can find a video that gives you solid fundamentals, solid guidance on how to, um, hold it relatively. And, and I'm not saying correctly, because there is really no way, perfect way to hold a handgun or Depends a rifle. You prove, you prove that because you could still effectively fire handguns with your pinky cast on. Um, so there are different ways to grip and hold certain guns as long as you're safe and effective. And everyone's well, going to have a different, you know, a different way of standing. There was a, yeah, there was a poll and I don't remember whose channel it was on. If you're out there, uh, chime in if this was on your channel. Um, but there was a poll like, how do you shoot pistol? And it's like, sure. it's like one eye open or both eyes open. And I said, it totally depends on what I'm doing. Like defensive, right. whatever. 
or some type of transitional competition, probably both eyes. Mm -hmm. Precision? Yeah, I'm, I'm squinting Absolutely. if not completely closed or, or using a blinder. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. um, so it's like there's no right answer to that. <laughs> you know, it's like an all of the above approach depending on the person. I'll tell you another reason why. Let's let's take that same example. Uh, both eyes open, one eye closed, whatever. Also has a lot to do with which eye you're dominant. I am right-handed, but left eye dominant. I have learned over the years to train myself and my eyesight to be able to do whatever I need to do. Um, Wait, shooting with both up. eyes. Yeah. You're what now? I am right-handed. And left eye dominant. I'm cross eye dominant. Then how are you shooting a rifle right handed? What's that? How are you shooting a rifle, particularly like your PRS, right handed? How are you doing? That's that? how I was taught in the Marine Corps, and they taught us ways to overcome it. Uh, yeah. Um, so you're using your right eye? I'm using my right eye. Okay. Got you. Yeah. Um, and for for that for using a scope and like you said precision i'll either squint or or probably close my left eye to let that right eye you would almost have to yeah you would have to yeah yeah um with with handguns like it's it an defensive thing yeah. it doesn't matter uh i will tell you this that um i do squint my left eye just a hair with my handgun if for no other reason i don't close it but I'll squint it because it makes that right eye sight picture more dominant than if I lift them both open because every now and then I'm not going to lie every now and then, uh, and you probably see me do it before it range days and all that. Um, sometimes when you're going, you know, that, that left eye will take over a little bit and, and kind of get a little weird on me sometimes. Um, so a lot of times I, I won't close it, but I will squint that left eye. And that just kind of makes that right eye sight picture pop a little bit more dominant. Um, and anyone that tells you that you can't shoot cross eye is is stupid and crazy. Don't listen. If they're telling you that you I'll have to you shoot left handed. Depending on, depending on the situation, I'll tell you you can't do it. Just in general, I I, I would argue just that. Just in general, no. But I'm going to tell you this much. I'm going to tell you. Well, I will set you up. I will set you up in a competition rifle setting with mm -hmm. somebody that's right eye right hand or left eye left mm -hmm. hand, and you jump into that comp, especially with iron sights, cross eyed. You're losing, brother. Flat, nope. flat out. Forget it. In the story, I'm losing sure because you you cannot get proper form on that rifle comb. There is no way to do it. No, I, I and I but I could, I, I might not win a national championship competition. But you're but using your right eye. Uh huh. I'm you. I'm talking about somebody tr shooting right hand, left eye. Oh, if if you're trying to use right hand, left eye through a scope, yeah, you're, you're fucked. Or or irons is even worse. You're two three inches above the bore axis. I mean, there's mm -hmm. no way. Yeah, you're 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 screwed. Um, you're gonna have to practice it. But can you um, shoot cans? Yes. Can you hunt? Yeah. I mean, sure. there's things you can do. Can you hit steel at twenty feet. Absolutely. You, you know. know. You could, I mean, you could hit with a rifle. You could hit with you a know, rifle. You could hit. You could hit several MOA easily at at sure. hundred yards. I mean, you enough sure. plenty enough to hunt. Yeah. You but, put it on steel. Yeah. 
for yeah. sure. But you're not going to be as good as you could be otherwise. And it, it's it's interesting. You talk about shooting right eye and your and your left eye dom, dominant mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because the vast majority of people, ninety nine point nine nine percent, you're rare, can cannot do that. It does not understand. end well for them. No, I understand. Understand. I learned from the very beginning how to shoot that way. Right. I didn't grow up shooting and then realize later on in life that my I or my eyesight changed or whatever. Right. The first time I ever picked up a rifle, that's the first thing they do is check your 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 dominant eye, and this that and the other. And from that point on, there were certain things and guidelines to not say overcome it or change it, just be effective with that you know right um so yeah um i don't know if i'm rare or not i just think that for me i didn't want to learn how to shoot left-handed does that make sense mm -hmm. and that's what a lot of people 30 years ago would have said just shoot left-handed yeah well um, I, I i i have plenty of experience in doing what you do I've got plenty of experience in shooting left hand to left eye, um, sure. switching it completely out, outside of my my natural comfort zone. Simply yeah. as a as a youth shooting sports instructor, because I I would have to sometimes do that in order to show proper form and whatnot. Right. Right. So I've got a lot of experience. So I mean, it it, it can be learned good enough to get you by. And that I'm not saying that, but I'm, yeah. I but I also have seen an instance where. You've got a competitor come in and they're shooting in the 40, 50%, maybe, you know, range. And it's like, well, wait a minute, what's going on? Oh, you're, you're, you're cross. And I will yeah. switch them and it's super freaking uncomfortable until they practice it shooting with, uh, shooting along with dominant eye. But mm -hmm. I've seen it, you know, within a couple of weeks, they're up in the 70, 80 percentile at that point. Yeah. I'll tell you one of the ways that um, right off the bat that they had me, once again, they weren't trying to change my dominant eye. They're just letting, allowing me or helping me to cope with it, to be effective with it, to work through that thing, you know. And I said a lot of it probably has to do that I, I had really zero shooting experience before that. So I didn't, I didn't know anything. So it was do this a lot. of So anyways, one of the biggest things they do is um, they on glasses or sunglasses or whatever, they put tape over the left eye on my glasses. So the only picture that I could get was out of my right eye. I could keep both eyes open and all that, but I couldn't see yeah, the sight picture. Yeah, yeah. Blinder basically. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of competitors. Tape. There's a lot of competitors that do yeah. that in IDPA and a lot that I've seen. Yeah. But that's one of the things that they did is they just put tape. And so at that point, the only picture that I could see was my right eye. Um, and you kind of just got used to that and all of that. So, um, you know, that was a long time ago. Uh, that was damn near 30 years ago. So um, Let's see here. Defense dad says that was never a consideration. I'm left-handed. So grandpa told me to do it left-handed. And, and I, I'm not saying the Marine Corps didn't want left-handed shooters. 
what they wanted you to do was shoot with your dominant hand. Okay. Now that might've changed since then. I don't know, but they were real big on the muscle skills that it takes for trigger control to flipping the safe and, and, and all of that stuff, mag release, all the motor skills they wanted you to use with your dominant hand yeah, for obvious reasons. Right. Um, so if you were left hand, left eye dominant, absolutely. You're shooting left-handed. But if, so, you were left hand, if you were left-handed, right-eye dominant, you're also going to shoot left-handed. If you're right-eye left-dominant or right-eye right-hand, you're shooting right-handed. Okay, so let me ask you this. Long time ago. I don't know if it still does so, that or not. In a situation like you, when you're talking about, I guess, a grunt or whatever, right? Foot yep. soldier type, whatever, door kicker, right? Sure. D- does, it, does it matter? Does the accuracy loss matter enough because you're – as opposed to, let's say, a sniper, and hey, is it different for a sniper? Are they going to use that same logic for a, on a sniper? Because I seriously doubt they would. I couldn't tell you that. I have no experience with that. Um, that's what I was going to go to with with as a designated marksman or sniper, whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, I don't. I don't know the answer to that. I. I don't know. I would what I'm imagine. saying. I mean, a, a silhouette even at a couple hundred yards is a lot different than a silhouette at 900 yeah. yards, right? Absolutely. Yeah, hold on just a second. Minotaur Carey says, because DM Foss is a spoil sport. There you go. Appreciate you. Uh, Gotta love Minotaur Carey, brother. You cracked me up. Thanks for the what $5 the for mouse, the chat. What did the mouse do? I don't know what Mighty Mouse did. No telling. There is no telling. Um, I will say this. So the answer to your question is one, I don't have any experience with that. So I don't know what I will tell you is this. You have to be a damn good shot to even get recognized, to be able to apply for scout sniper, much so less get accepted. Yeah. whatever you were doing is working. They're probably not at that point. They're not worried about, uh, that because you wouldn't have gotten to that point if you weren't already a tip of the spear shooter. So, that makes sense? so yeah. So this is an interesting exercise for you or anybody else that has. And I'm going to ask some of my military buddies if they knew anybody. I'm curious if anybody is like, like not. They say they were and they're not right. But do you legit yeah. know somebody right, <laughs> like a Charlie or whoever that yeah. shoots that shoot that shot in the military, designated marksman, sniper, whatever, cross. Anyway, I, I will would be, I would be willing to bet that doesn't happen. That doesn't exist. I will ask all my guys. Uh, that would be an interesting question to hear yeah. their feedback. And I will get the yeah. answer to you for that, for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, um, that would be interesting. And I'd like to, man, I should try to get Charlie on here. Because Charlie not only was one of the best snipers of seals that ever had, he was also an instructor. He instructed Marcus Luttrell. He instructed Kyle. Um, we're talking about American sniper. I mean, he, he, he was his instructor, right? Um, it'd be interesting to hear from him. Um, what he would do in that situation. Because I can't speak to that, right? I can't speak no, to I can't a lot either. of different things. All I can speak from is my experiences and stuff. Yeah. And shooting cross in a competition setting, my yeah. experience, it don't work. 
So yeah, and that that, that that's actually I'll, I'll I'll send one to. And I just view, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong in viewing a competition. If we're talking precision competition setting, maybe I'm wrong in viewing a precision competition setting similar to the stakes as a designated marksman or a sniper. I think you, I think you're correct uh, to a certain extent. I think you are absolutely correct with that. But I could be missing something. I could be totally wrong with that. shooting. You know, I get it, but um, I could be totally wrong. There could be other elements yeah. I'm not thinking about. Right. Oh, I'm sure there are, but I think that when it comes right down to the general idea, absolutely. Um, why do you, that's why you see the Phil Vallejos of the world uh, that were um, scout snipers that are now big into the the long range precision game because that's what right. they're that's what they're or good Charlie. at. Yeah, or yeah. Charlie, you know, um, that's just what they're good at. That's what they do. That's what they know. Yeah. Uh, kind of going back to that question you asked. Yeah, I mean. You know, you and I have talked a lot about a lot about this, and and for me, being a door kicker or, or, or a grunt or just someone that is going to go anywhere from CQB out to let's say three to four hundred meters, okay, let's say five hundred yards max, six hundred yards, you know, mm-hmm. um, there's a reason why, and I, I'm not going to speak for any other branch, but there's a reason why the Marine Corps uses the thirty-six yard zero. Uh, and has for years, decades, is it's a called a battlefield zero, a thirty-six yard zero, and you can you can get by with a twenty-five. Um, the the fifty-two hundred is a really popular one as well. Um, matter of fact, um, the the fifty-two hundred is probably, I would imagine, honestly, outside of the hundred yard zero for hunting rifles and all that, um, I would imagine that um the 5200 zeros very very popular uh the 36 yards here but the idea of the 36 yards zero is this um rod says we'll call that sailor um I, I i would love to uh i might call him here in a second and see if he'll answer the phone uh rod if you could send him a text saying hey i'm gonna be calling him in a few minutes if he's got time i don't want to call him if he can't jump on but send him a text and see if he's got a few minutes um and tell him he's going to come from a 530 uh phone number uh, and i'll give him a few minutes if you don't mind him texting if he's available that'd be awesome thanks brother um anyways the, the reason of the 36 yard zero is this it gives you a battlefield zero that from one yard to 300 yards if you point and you put your red dot, we're talking five, five, six here, okay? Um, and you put that right here in the center chest, you'll be able to hit from one to 300 yards within, theoretically, six inches from that, okay? So, once again, we're talking about a battlefield zero. So, why do they call it a battlefield zero? Because you're not looking to be precise. You're yeah, looking right. to be able to put a threat down from one to 300 yards. Because so here's another thing about snipers. If we can get Charlie on here, it'd be awesome. But you know, people think that you know, and Charlie's hit a six thousand yard shot, you know. Um, but most snipers, most of their confirmed kills are inside five hundred yards, probably inside three hundred yards, because right. most of the time they're Overwatch for the ground guys. Um, so they're not sitting there taking thousand yards to a mile shots every time. They're taking three hundred yard shots most of the time. Um, but yeah, that's that, you know, that's, that's an interesting thing is, is, 
the the ground guys they're 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 trained to do whatever but you give me a 36 yard zero and i know that i'll be effective at the 300 yards anything outside 300 yards one is it really a threat to me mm-hmm. okay two i know i'm probably better trained than they are Unless they just get lucky, I'm not really worried. I'm probably under behind cover as well. And three, I've got an overwatch typically that's going to take out the guys at three to five hundred yards. You know, go ahead. So, so let me take this into a same principle, but in in a little bit of a different direction. Um, so you're talking about your zero, and whether you're talking about the thirty-six, you know, military stuff, you're talking about hunting, and I'm, oh, I'm hunting at a hundred or two hundred, and I'm a zero here, whatever. People get into this crazy thing about their zero. Mm. Here's the whole thing with all of that. Can you judge distance? Because honestly, if you can't judge distance, does it does it really, matter? Does it Absolutely. really does it really matter? And a lot of people I think well, failed. A lot of people fail to do soon. that. That's good. Charlie's gonna be calling soon. So that's good. We'll, we'll get this question to Charlie. He'll be calling you, in a minute. There's yeah. multiple ways from looking at landmarks to, um, to um, you know, within your within your sight frame, even if you have, have irons, right? However mm-hmm. big something is, you know something is a certain size, right? And so yeah. you use that to determine, you know, close, right? The you distance. know, we, we use silhouette targets, um in the Marine Corps back in the pits, uh, different, different ones. But the reason why that we use that kind of stuff is at one, three and 500 yards this is where we qualified from. We, we needed to know what the average silhouette looked like at 100, 300 and 500 yards. Right. Um, not because we wanted to dial it in, but we had to basically figure out, you know, you give me, you, you kind of memorize what a silhouette looks like at one, three, and 500 yards. You can kind of figure out from there, you know? Right. Um, and so, yeah, you're right. It doesn't matter how good of a shot you are if you rely on your optics. If you can't judge within, let's say, what, 25 yards, 50 yards at the most, mm-hmm. at what range the threat's at. You know? Yeah, it totally depends on the totally depends on the round and the range, right? I mean, it's like exactly, yeah. So that all comes into play too. I mean, obviously, it's going to be different for a six-five Creedmoor at trying to judge something around eight hundred than it is uh, mm-hmm. three hundred blackout trying to judge something around eight hundred. You know, or five-five-six at eight hundred. Because at that point you're yeah. you're really pushing the effective distance. Can a five five six go over a thousand yards? Absolutely. Uh-oh. That might be Charlie right there. Is this What's Charlie? Up, What's up, Charlie? How you doing, buddy? Good, brother. I just got a call from Rod Gates. He said to give you a call. Yeah, we were so we were talking um interestingly enough, we're talking about training and all of that, and obviously um different hey, things him, pop up and let him, know we're up? On a, let him know we're on a podcast well, we are we are live on a podcast by the way if you don't mind um oh yeah we, I'm good. all right so the question I, I was talking about when when i first joined the marine corps i'm right-handed left eye dominant and they pretty much kind of give me tools and, and ways to remain shooting right-handed 
and overcome maybe the dominant eye being the left eye and all of that. And that's how I've shot forever. Now, Clover brought up in a designated marksman or or sniper scenario. How does that play? And not only were you obviously a great sniper, but you were also an instructor. Did you ever get someone came in with a cross-eyed dominant? How did you deal with that? So you can never shoot to your full potential with your non-dominant eye. Right. If you're shooting through glass with one eye. Now, if you're shooting a pistol or an assault rifle and you're shooting with both eyes open, you can overcome it. Right. But there's no way possible to shoot your non-dominant eye to your full potential. And a good test you can do is pick a dot or something on the wall, hold your thumb up, cover the dot with your thumb, then close your non-dominant eye. Your thumb will stay on it. Then close your non-dominant eye or your dominant eye. And it will move. And the same thing happens with your sight picture. Yeah, real quick before we move on, uh, for are you out there watching right now, um, wondering who this is? We've had him on the show several times over the last few years. Um, Navy SEAL sniper Charlie Milton, uh, world world record at one point, world record holder, longest shot, uh, Charlie Milton. So uh, thanks for calling in, Charlie. Like I said, it was one of those things where you know, Clover's like, I, you know, I can, I need to ask Charlie one time. And Rob was like, we'll call him. Like, well, I'm in the middle of a show. Can you reach out and see if he's available? So um, <laughs> it's just one of those things where it was awesome to have you on here to talk about this because, you know, if you, and I told Clover, you know, to even get to the point where you're recognized as an applicant to sniper school, much less get accepted and actually go to the school, make it through the school and become a sniper, whether no matter what branch it is, you had to be a pretty damn good shot to even get noticed. So if you had difficulties as a cross-eyed dominant shooter, you probably don't even get there to that point. Would I be correct in that statement? Uh, yes. Yeah, so during sniper, we always if you're left eye dominant, you're definitely going to be shooting left-handed. Okay. On a scope. Weapon. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's the difference. I I don't have any experience with sniper stuff and all that and all of that. So. Mine was the M16 and all of that. So that's probably why they just kept me because uh, that's the really how I learned to shoot was in there. So they, they kept me right-handed and they just kind of did all that. Had I had gone behind well, yeah, glass, they probably would have changed me. What do you think? They definitely, you would have had to. Yeah. yeah but when you're shooting like with iron sights or a red dot or whatever, you're shooting with both eyes open and your brain yeah. will automatically use your dominant eye. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So it, it, that's interesting. It was a great question Clover had and, so when when we're talking about well i just know i've seen it over and over and over you know what i mean in in youth shooting sports i repeatedly i've seen it and i was like okay i don't want to i don't want to say that i'm a military sniper and i know what goes on and and all of that but it just yeah so what did you you see what's that well people shooting right-handed with a left eye dominant on a scope weapon no, no, I mean, the, I've got conversation says that in Clover was the same way. He was like behind glass. You'll never reach. You'll, you'll never be as good as you could be being cross-eyed dominant. Yeah. Kind of what you said, the same thing. Uh, you won't be on. Thing. I mean, you could, you, you could sight your gun into where it's, I mean, if, if you just do it like 10 yards away, your thumb will move off sight like a foot or two. So right. I right. guess you could shoot your non-dominant eye and dial a bunch of windage on there, but you'll never be shooting at your full potential. Well, and the reason that I said, I mean, for, you know, for several decades, I was a youth shooting sports instructor, right? And so 
it, I've seen the same thing happen with irons because we use a lot of target sights simply because if you're trying yep. to shoot cross dominant like that, then you're not on the rifle cone properly to be able to look down the sight. That, that is very true. And yeah, and in the sales, we always teach people to shoot with both eyes because when you close one, obviously you lose half your peripheral vision. Yep. So it takes a lot of guys training to be able to focus with that dominant eye having both eyes open too. So a lot of guys, what they'll do is they'll put a piece of tape over their glass. That's what they, that's what I was telling Corey. That's what they did with me is they they put glass over there and you made you learn that sight picture. You know. Yep, exactly. And then your brain will eventually learn it and do it. Yep. I didn't know if they still did that or not, because that's how they did that, you know, 30 years ago, or 25 like years ago with me. But uh, I didn't know if they still still using the, the uh, basics of putting tape over the eye, you know, something as simple as that. Mm -hmm. yep, yep, that used to be the first thing I did when I got somebody that could, couldn't shoot a group yeah. <laughs> with both eyes open. So I like well, the, yeah. I like the, I like the thumb, the thumb test that Charlie was talking about. I mean, that's yeah. the deal. I don't got to say Charlie spot on. We all knew Charlie spot on, but um, you know, when you're working with kids, here's the problem of asking a kid to do that is they'll lie to you. And, and I learned yeah. that real quick. Oh, yeah. so, so a technique I come up with yeah, is I would, I would get out, I would get out in front of the, the kid and I would get them to take both their hands. And if you, you like put that. your thumbs out to make like a diamond. Yeah. Just, yep. just barely have an opening. Yep. And I tell them, raise your, raise your hands up and look at my nose. And yep. when they did that, then I could see which eye they were looking through. And I'd know if they were lying or not. And I had kids lie to me. I don't know how many times about their dominant eye. Another good test, too, is you do that same thing, but have them make a, a triangle, a real small triangle with their hand. Yep. And, right. then, and then put a dot at a distance in the middle of it. And then have them bring their hand back to their face. Yep. Yeah, that, see, and, and that's, that's how we did it in the Marine Corps. When our, our first week of grass week. Uh, when we got up there, we didn't shoot that first week. We just learned the basics of the rifle and all that. I'm sure every branch has that grass week or whatever. But that's what they had us do the very first scene before we even did anything was find out what I were dominant. And that's how we did is we we put that and we brought it to keep that in the center. And that's why to this day I'm still left eye dominant. Um, yep. You know, it's just one of those things yep, where. Very, very important to shoot your dominant eye on glass. Yeah. 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 Um, cool. I got a question. If, if you got two seconds, Charlie, I don't want to keep you very much longer. I know that you're busy, but um, I'm done for the day. Okay, well, good. Um, then stick around if you like. <laughs> um, we're talking about training and all that, and, and whether um, basic pistol, basic rifle, and all that from an instructor's point of view. Um, if you could. Tell someone that's new to the firearm world, um, they they want to buy their first gun or whatever. I'm not going to have you tell them which gun to buy because that's the stupid. But if you could say there's one type of, and I want to say firearm, I'm not going to talk medical or stop the bleed or anything like that. If there's one firearm training class type was basic pistol, basic rifle, whatever, active shooter, CQB, all of that. Uh, precision, long range. What's the one thing that you have to tell your students over? Like, what's the one thing that you wish people understood from the very beginning? Uh, well, I would first of all, I tell them the same thing I told somebody that bought an airplane. Go learn how to fly it from somebody that knows how to do it. <laughs> exactly. 
but no, I teach the seven principles of shooting, but out of the seven principles, the most, the two most important, if you get them down, you'll be able to hit what you're shooting at. And that is bite alignment and trigger control. Yep. Yeah. And I if think you got those down, you, you'll always hit your target. Yeah. And I think that some people, and this is just, I, I see with the range all the time, they're worried about uh, their grip and their grip has a lot to do with trigger control and side alignment, but uh, they're worried so much about grip, grip placement and grip all, tension all and their stance and all that. And it's like you're 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 focusing on the wrong things. But who am I to say that? You know. Yeah, all seven principles ties kind of ties into everything. But the two right. most important, as long as your sights line and you can pull that trigger without moving your muzzle before the round leaves, and it will go where you want it to. Yep, absolutely. Um, Clover, you got anything for Charlie right now? good i'm good hey like i said charlie thanks for coming on like i said uh you're more than welcome i'd love to have you stick around for as long as you want but i appreciate you calling in because that is something that i never really thought about um and i was i told him said a lot reach out to some of my guys that were snipers and all of that and ask them about being cross-eyed dominant because you know I, i told clover they don't get to the point of even being recognized possibly to apply for sniper school unless they're a pretty damn good shot already. And chances are they're not going to be that good unless they've already conquered that dominant, uh, whether they've moved to the left side or whatever cross-eyed dominant shooters probably wouldn't have gotten to the point where they're even be recognized to apply for sniper school because uh, they wouldn't be yeah. as good, you know, yeah, I mean, I've never seen it in my career, but uh, yeah, there may be some anomaly out there where some yeah. guy can shoot super accurate uh, with his non-dominant eye on scope. But I've never seen it. Yeah, yeah. It, well, just the the physics of it. I mean, you know, being canted off. I mean, it it, it would be very awkward. I would imagine. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, I do want to. Do, like I said, you're more than welcome to stick around if you'd like. But I do want people. Uh, if if you got time, if you want to. Um, kind of plug your training, uh, what you're doing. You, you kind of got a new endeavor on the designing side of rifles with Charlie Mike and different things. Do you want to talk about that real quick? Yeah. So, um, I, I just, uh, teamed up with G2 precision. They build base, they build ARs and, um, I, I build all the bolt guns and then I do all the training. So I teach long range courses, uh, pistol courses and AR courses. And I can also customize the course to, if you want to do CQB and all that stuff too. But yep. yeah, we're uh, located out of Texas, based out of Texas, about teach all over the U.S. Yeah, um, Clover and I were and, I, and my oh sorry, oh, yeah, no, my go ahead. Precision was I, I just sat down. We're redesigning the new one. Right I, now, well, I was getting ready to do that because I was getting ready to put that up there, and I just went to it to get the link, and it was uh, yeah, it's under construction. So <laughs> there you go. Um, so it'll be precision here shortly. I'm trying to see. I had someone just call. I'm sorry. Um, can't answer two phone calls on the same line. Um, so uh, sorry about whoever just tried to call in. Probably Pat, but you never know. Um, yeah, so um, Clover and I have been down uh, and, and, and shot with Charlie, obviously, down there in Texas and, and all of that. I can tell you watching and listening if, if you want to learn how to shoot from behind glass um go see charlie because he what i liked about the class that you gave especially with the two guys that were there 
um, which I think is very, very important. You didn't assume that they knew anything about shooting. And you started from the very beginning and and said, look, you might be a very experienced shooter, but um, we're going to do it this way. And so you started from the beginning. You didn't assume that they knew anything about shooting. Uh, you took your time with them. You made them go at a comfortable but slower pace to make sure they got it all. And then um, they were hitting a 1,000 yards in no time. But, yeah, if you guys are interested – um and especially the long range stuff but yeah cqb handgun um charlie is the guy what's up g how you doing man good just saw the link Thanks yeah we're talking with training we uh we've got charlie melton on the phone with his g i don't know if you've met charlie or not um but um i know you know of charlie but don't know if you've ever talked to charlie or not i don't think so um, by the way yeah. by the way best biscuits and gravy ever so here's <laughs> so here's the thing guys uh the cost of the training is worth it whether you shoot a gun or not because if he cooks for you one time much less a couple times if he cooks for you one time yeah. that's one thing that i don't think people know about you charlie as much as they should you are like i mean you could be a world-class chef if you wanted to be well thank you i appreciate it yeah i was they they mentioned my cooking skills in the uh, in ballistics magazine when they did that article oh did they nice uh yeah for real they're they are seriously uh they're they're serious skills with in the, in the kitchen i remember i was sleeping on your couch and i woke up to the smell of almost heaven and it was you over there in the kitchen <laughs> cooking i was like oh my god I don't, I don't even know what you're making but whatever it is i'm in i'm in so yeah it's good stuff awesome well, cool, man. Well, I appreciate yeah. the call. Yeah, I appreciate okay, you calling in. My dog out. Yeah, I, I hear you. Yeah, thanks for calling in, bro. And we'll talk to you soon. All right. All right. Later. Bye, brother. Hey, man, give me a call if you need anything. I appreciate it. Will do. You call me if you need anything as well. All right. Thanks. All right. All right, bye. Awesome, well, that, Charlie, calling in. Well, that answered those questions. That answered that question. If you, I mean, once again, if you ever had any questions on sniper stuff, that dude was is one of the most decorated guys that is the most humble dude you'll ever meet he was literally sailor of the year for all seal teams one year uh world record holder at at the time was it 55 or 5800 um yard shot um was an instructor for the seals was i mean some of the most famous seals snipers ever he was their instructor um so i mean the, the guys is is decorated and is awesome but he's like the coolest guy you ever meet and i'll say this what makes him he has the greatest mullet in the history of the world like it's it, it's better it's between him and billy ray cyrus in the early 90s is the greatest mullets ever but Yep. Uh, the Charlie probably wins that because he's got a little perm to his mullet, you know, natural curls, you know. So yeah, G's probably going. What the hell are we talking about? So uh, this is the guy you guys did the long distance class near Clover with. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was Charlie. Uh, great guy, but yeah, Clover. The the, the backstory that is Clover. We're talking about uh, cross eyed dominant shooting and all of that, and, and Clover was basically asked the question like what if you were in the military and you were trying to be a sniper 
how would they react to cross-eyed dominant people? And I basically said, one, I don't know. I, I never did that. More importantly, you wouldn't have gotten to that point without being a damn good shot. And I said, well, I, I need to call Charlie. Well, we got Charlie to call in, and he said, basically, if you go, in, at least in the SEAL sniper program, if you go into that program cross-eyed dominant, then if you're right-handed and left-eyed dominant, they're moving you to the left side of the rifle because um, you'll never be able as good behind glass with a non-dominant eye. Which is what so, I said. Yeah, exactly. So that started uh, the conversation. The, yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and obviously That's interesting because they got more money than anything, and they can also go up to the actual companies that develop and create and go make this happen so that our guys can shoot the way they want. So that must be something that's yep. easier to shoot the other way than to make tech work for you the other way. It's always yeah, I mean, my position on it. Yeah. You know, and it's basically, it makes sense because Charlie says you'll never, I mean, you can be effective and you can. Well, be he a, said, yeah, he said exactly what I said, which is you'll, you'll never, never maximize your potential. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you go into a competition like that. You're going to get smoked by somebody that's right, right, left, left period. Yeah. 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 Um, John 12 gauge out there. What's going on? It's and I on. say that I'd be willing to bet you could hand Charlie a cross dominant, whatever, right? Oh, he yeah. would probably, yeah, he'd probably be okay, but yeah. he's probably a lot like me. He's probably got a lot of practice in shooting left, left or right, right, or whatever his yeah. off is. Now you give me an AR slash M16 and have me shoot off. Not a problem whole different issue when you put me behind glass like you know long range uh, precision i can i can get i can take care of a threat shooting left-handed and all of that uh i would not do that with precision because i don't have the practice and i wouldn't be that good um oh charlie banner still on the screen oh, thanks let me take that off so yeah appreciate you uh but yeah um interesting so we were talking about training and one of the polls that I put out, G, was what's the best type of training? And I said basic pistol, basic rifle, a CQB, a stop the bleed, or uh, an active shooter. And just off the top of your head, is there a best type of training? Or what would, if you were had to choose one for that poll, what would it have been? Right, like from those four, because there's a bunch of other kind of training, obviously. So from yeah, those four, of those, those two choices, yeah. And then for like a regular person, I'm guessing, and not like a kid doing something or going into something or some circumstance. So, sure. Uh, what was it? Stop the bleed and handgun. Yeah, basic, and basic rifle, basic pistol, CQB, uh, stop the bleed, and then a maybe an active shooter. I think were the five choices. I think basic pistol. Because otherwise, yeah. you can take Stop the Bleed by watching YouTube. There's nothing hard about that. You can go take one in an hour free at a gun shop somewhere. So that doesn't even, I mean, I see what you're saying with that. So if it was something like longer, like some kind of big first aid, maybe, maybe. Yeah. But then most first aid is like, you know, in this country, at least we got uh, help relatively close at most people, at least. So I think going to a pistol is going to get you outside of your awareness and your comfort zone. And mm -hmm. most people that go to a good pistol or a good even CCW class are going to come out of it questioning whether or not they really want to carry, if they want to take yeah. on that responsibility. And if they, what's the word? Like, you know, they take a good reality lesson or what's that called? Like, a re, you know, it's reality. Reality check. Yeah. Reality check. Yeah. 
And that's, you don't get that at a first aid. First aid tends to come out thinking like, oh, I'm a, I'm basically a firefighter now. Like, except for that I don't have a fire truck, I'm basically a firefighter. Because they're basically trying to do that. They want you to like, don't be worried about that blood, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then the first thing you do is natural research. You know, your, your reflexes as a parent, as a human are going to be like, oh, help this person. You may not know the coolest way to do it and rip the bandage open with your teeth because you've done it six or seven times. But first aid kicks in and... I mean, I would be really close to saying rifle, but since I don't know what the rifle class you're talking about, if it was like Jaeger's rifle, I'd say you're like a rifle or yeah. somebody who knows decent, then rifle, because you can do all the same things, same reality check, and pistol is pretty much basic. Sure. Yeah, you don't have to be amazing to figure out how to put a pistol in your holster and take it out again, but going to a pistol class is going to show you that if you think you're some expert, again, you're going to get a reality check and go, oh, no, you're not. Like There's there's a lot more you can, realize, you can learn about, and just stuff like if you're going to learn from uh cowboy and if you're going to learn from a competition shooter it's going to be different right and most people don't even think about that they just think about oh i've seen rambo enough times i've seen whatever their thing is chuck norris or clint uh eastwood or somebody you know and they figured oh i know what to do and they're just going to go to the class to get the certificate and then a good class you're going to come out and go oh boy i had no idea and well, you're going to that- the students so you go to a first aid class you're going to meet just a regular bunch of people you could have met at a class on how to make souffles over the weekend but you go to a pistol class that's people motivated to go to a pistol class you go to a rifle class whole nother level that's people that wanted to go to a rifle class understood the reasons for that and that's a whole nice that's a gr- good group of people to have aware to be friends with in your area because you usually go to a rifle class at nearby you know so that's the, the networking you're going to get at a rifle class would almost make me see rifle class before pistol class. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting because you, you, you brought up a point there and that was something that I was going to transition to later on, but you brought it up. So let's go ahead and transition and let's assume that you're going to take a, a rifle or a pistol and, and pick one. It doesn't matter which one, uh, but you brought up a point of the instructor and that's something when you, when if you're just going to go to your range because someone's going to be there to do instruction, uh, cool. Um, but if you're going to seek out instruction, um, know what, and this is something I would tell anyone, this is advice that I think anyone should, should at least think about before going to a training class. And like I said, we're, we'll, let's use it as a basic pistol or basic rifle, a basic firearm class, um, or any class, it really doesn't matter, but, what do you want out of that class, first of all? And two, do your research on that instructor because if that instructor's background is military, it's going to be different, probably, philosophy-wise and all of that than someone who with an LEO background or someone with cowboy shooting background or someone with USPSA shooting background all of these different disciplines are going to influence their mechanics and what they teach and the philosophies that they use. Now, great instructors, as a matter what background, they should be able to reach across all of those. But in theory, if you want to learn more tactical stuff and all of that, then try to maybe find an instructor that has some LEO or military background. If you're looking to become a faster shooter, a faster, more accurate shooter, 
then you might want to find an instructor that might have some experience in the competition shooting side as well. So there's a lot of different factors and variables that go into training, at least when you're talking about finding yourself an instructor to to do. Now, very few people are going to be able to go all over the place and say, well, I'll go no matter where it is, I'll go find this person. Most people are going to have to go with an instructor within an hour or so from the house. And for some people, their options might be limited. That being said, if that is the case, no matter who you go and take a class from, you should at least try to find out their background, understand maybe where they're coming from so that you'll understand maybe some of the techniques that will be used and all that. So um, now G23 is completely full of shit, um, but I'm sure Clover's paying him. He says the only trainer anyone needs is Clover Tech. You know, it was interesting that if he did that, it's almost like I was paying him because I was going to I was going to kind of tag onto what you're saying and say that, yeah. you know, I think a lot of people that seek out training, they don't they don't vet the training no. or understand as much going in. It's like, oh, a pistol course, rifle course, instructor, NRA, this, whatever it might be. Right. And they I'm there. Let's go and do I'm it. there and let's go do it. And they get yeah. there and they don't really. You know, I cannot tell you the number of times that, you know, I have had a, um, you know, been a part of a clinic training coaches for 4-H. And mm -hmm. like the first half of the day, we literally talk about the history of 4-H, how to deal with kids, um, how to set up your club. Yeah. But like we don't even touch guns or bows or anything else, right? And then when right. we do after lunch, touch the guns and the bows and stuff, it's not in the capacity of well, here's how do you shoot bullseyes. Yes, we talk about <laughs> basic fundamentals, but it's like we would get you on target. I've you had know? <laughs> people I've had people that are like they come in and they think I'm gonna teach them how to be a gold medal shooter. It's like, no, I'm teaching you how to coach kids, right? So yep. you're going to be, you're not going to be shooting. You're going to be, we rotate out, you know, everybody gets a chance to shoot and I'll walk the line and talk about fundamentals and stuff while they're doing that. But somebody's calling the line, right? Somebody's learning right. how to call the line. And then inevitably I would whisper in somebody's ear to do something completely unsafe and crazy. Right. So see they caught on but it, it yeah. but it's not unsafe. Like I'm like, make sure it's sure. not loaded and your action is open and then swing your muzzle, you know, and mm -hmm. see if they catch it down there and stop the line and call a ceasefire and, you know, right. set different scenarios like that up, obviously regulated and, and stage them, but set things like that up. But yeah, I, I can't believe the number of people that would come in thinking they were going to learn how to be some kind of a marksman. It's like, that's not what we do here. <laughs> well, that can be messaging and that can be the lack of awareness. So when you're looking, I was, can I throw in here that I would look at it like guitar training yeah. or something. So sure. you can own a guitar and you can strum on it. You can watch TV and strum on it. Some people can just pick up a tune, right? And then some people are like, well, I want to learn more. And some people are like, I might want to go and join a band or something where I want to play professionally. So I'm going to go learn more, right? So do you pick a jazz or do you pick, you know, 12 strings something? Do you pick some, you know, there's all these different styles and right? right. And it doesn't matter. You could bring an electric guitar to a banjo class and they'll probably still teach you, right? It might be awkward, but you'll get some techniques or something. So there's people that like to learn and then there's people that, you know, are fiddling. So uh when you're thinking of that or maybe sports i guess same kind of thing maybe but anything you're learning right whether it's an art karate or something like that how many people go take a class and then they're like oh i'm an expert like some people yeah. like but most people are like i take a class and then i sign up for 
lessons or I sign up for gym time or I sign up. So, you know, you join a range and you go take a class and that teaches you some skill sets or whatever. And then you go to the range every, after, every time after that and you apply those. Ideally, you learn some drills or some ways to teach others so that the two of you can or the multi you know, this group of you can uh, coach and explore things, each, you know, with each other. And then you go to the local classes like you're saying, the, the traveling instructors or the regional person that just shows up every, you know, once a month or twice a month. You take those classes periodically. The same way that a person who has a chance to go play guitar with some idol, right? They're going to be like, oh, I'm going to take that opportunity. But now I'm not an expert. I don't think I'm going to join a band because I played with an idol. Right. But now I'm going to take that back to the lessons. And I'm going to experience them go back. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I saw how my idol wiggled those fingers like this. Can you teach me that? Right. And then the instructor can go, I can try. Or maybe I can send you to this teacher who can. But you know right. what I'm saying? Like you're in a, in a channel. You're in a pipeline there. And it's for people that want to take it more seriously or people that are enthusiastic about it or people that maybe they find therapy in it. Maybe that's their thing. Like, oh, I can't afford to go on vacation, but I can sure afford to go to a class every six months. And I can meet up with people who have similar interests and mindset. And I'm teaching and learning a skill that, you know, unlike, I don't want to say sports because sports are worthless to me. I mean, you can get, you know, athleticism in it and you can get in shape. But what good is really being able to wing a basketball? I mean, maybe a sport where you're doing something like javelin throwing or archery or something, if that's a sport, you know what I mean? But some of these yeah, sports yeah. are kind of pointless. So at least you're doing it in something that's maybe not pointless, you know, maybe could be a skill set that's useful. But then I think the instructor part of it, like I enjoy going to firearms classes, not because I can't remember the CCW stuff in Arizona. It's because I really enjoyed for about three or four years going to classes and, 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 and just experiencing the different class styles and teaching styles. Uh, and it just was really interesting to me. And it was inexpensive and it was kind of a way that, you know, I could just put the word out there. Hey, I'm interested in reviewing your CCW class. And they would invite me and, you know, I just show up and, you know, no real pressure or nothing, just experience the class. So there's people that do that at the next level and go shoot classes because they can afford it or they're just interested. So I just want to throw that out there. It's sort of like a, an oh. art or something that people can just be an enthusiast of and want it to be like, oh, you're not Rambo enough or whatever. Uh, and like Clover said, like people can have an unrealistic expectations of it. But in my experience, going to a lot of classes, especially like traveling classes, where like, hey, girl, come to town a couple of times a year. because he has friends down here. Masada Yuba come into town every once in a while. He's got friends down here. So I had the experience, you know, the opportunity to see instructors often for years. Right. And the camaraderie or whatever, the alumni that meet up, that's a whole thing. Right. And those are people that are at a whole nother level because they're showing up at classes. Some of them are there to collect certificates, but most of them are there because it's their extended group of friends and family and whatnot. And again, it's for like authentic reasons. So I just want to throw that out there that it's not like it's a bunch of wannabe, you know, band players or people that are wannabe cosplayers or something. There's lots of reasons to go to training. Well, and it, I had that happen with me. I've had that multiple times happen with me. And, and a lot of times what it was is like it was a spouse or maybe some of their kids were coming for like, you know, like a junior training, junior coach training or something like that. Right. And they had to be there anyway. And they would actually shadow. Right. So it's like one up from just like an audit because they would come in and they would say, hey, you know, I'm here. And they, they've already they'd already taken my my class before. And I'm like, yeah you can help. Right. And so they were like a teacher's assistant almost or whatever in that capacity, which gives them a whole other skill set too, because they're not just there learning things, but now they're trying to impart and, 
you know, they're not like certified as an instructor to be able to do it, but they're at least, they're at least getting their feet wet if they wanted to take that path and do that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Well, I think a lot of it comes down and Clover and I were talking about this uh, before and G kind of brought up the, the idea of you go to that first class and for some people that's enough or they think they know it all for some, that's just the first step down that rabbit hole. And for a lot of us that, that go to different classes and all that, I was telling Clover, no matter what class I go to, or if I'm just out at the range shooting with friends, I'm learning something from everyone that I shoot with. Uh, and it might be one of those things where I might like a certain thing that let's say Jaeger does. And then I like a certain thing that Pincus does. And I like a certain thing that this guy does. And this guy does that's going to shape you as a shooter. There is a lot to be said about finding one instructor and take only their classes. I get that. But I think broadening everything, and especially if you're someone who likes to consume info and and just learn as much as you can, yeah, you should be able to take bits and pieces from a lot of different people because you're probably never going to find one instructor that makes 100% sense to you 100% of the time. There's going to be something like, yeah, I love 95%, but that little thing just kind of drives me nuts. Um, but if you can take that and then this from this person, this from this person, Next thing you know, you shaped yourself into at least knowledge-wise into having the ability to uh, be a better shot, be a safer shot, be a more effective shot, uh, be a shot that you and others could feel safe carrying um, and all of that, which is ultimately the the idea, um, assuming that, like you said, you're not just a certificate uh, whore, that you're just trying to you know, pick up as many certificates just to say that you've done all this stuff. If you're truly going to classes to learn, no matter whether it's a local person that there might be two other people in your class, or you go to one of these top dogs that it might have 50 or 60 in a class, no matter who you go to, if you try hard enough and you listen and you think about it, you should be able to take one thing from every single class that you ever take home with you and at least think about implementing into your own arsenal or your own technique, your own mechanics. Um, everyone's got good ideas. Go ahead. It's experience too. It's not like there's all these screwdrivers. Exactly. It's like, you know, it's this idea that how you use the screwdriver. So it's like, it's not like you're getting a new screwdriver, a new screwdriver, a new screwdriver, or a screwdriver, then a hammer, then a wrench. It's just the idea of how, like, if you think of how somebody in the Navy, in the, what do they call the people in the engine of a big giant ship? I can't even imagine. Like that's got to be a crazy job. Think of the way they're going to be a mechanic versus somebody who's like in the let's say the army doing a truck or a tank. I guess would be more army versus yeah. somebody in the marines who's got to do helicopter stuff on a navy boat, right or ship, yeah. right? Like you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like just totally different. Like now you got to worry about salt water and you got to worry the about stuff falling off got of it. You got F thirty five Hornet in the Air Force, which is completely With, different. Or that. robots, right? They're working or, on robots. Or drones. So. Yeah, drones, sure. Yeah. So there's just a lot of different stuff to to whatever. But um, I was gonna say the 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 people that show up for the class or for two things. When the people that show up just to get a certificate, I think of them more like they're just there to observe. They're like the audience. They're not like 
they're really they're like people that take a lot of different karate classes like a karate and a kung fu and a judo and a, they're just like experiencing a lot because they're artists i don't want to get play it down because they're usually experiencing a lot of uh instructors also and yep. um adding skill sets to their whatever they've got ambition for right but the thing is those people i think of them the people that show up to the like if it's a course of like 10 to 20 people rarely is it bigger than 20 people unless it's like a famous movie star type of person who right. gets a big class and those are usually just to talk to the movie star guy so the regular size classes are like 10 even less people and then you know very more a couple of eight of them will just stand around and absorb and then a couple of them will interact be bsing with the guy all during lunch they're the ones talking and asking questions sometimes it's the alumni sometimes it's an old friend from somewhere sometimes it's whoever but there's got to be somebody there if it's the kind of instructor that's going to be what do you call that like personable and, and you know sure. having a good time um a real person some of the instructors are like hey we got here at nine let's start you know everybody take out your clipboards read your instructions and then you know at noon they're gone they come back in an hour you know there's those kind of classes those are a little different but most classes you're you're bsing and stuff so i just think of the people that show up as the people that don't really interact but they're i was just gonna say they're almost necessary in fact i think most instructors will be like we need those people because they're 80 percent of the class you know the alumni show up but they're not funding the class and often they've got discounts or you know yep. free things or trades or something where the people that just show up to get a certificate that are you know like what i want to say they're paying for the whole thing to be there they're, and yeah. then really yeah, i've never met a decent instructor that doesn't expect you to take other instructing because they know that yeah. just like a guitar player who's really good is going to be like you better learn how to play drums and keyboard at least to some extent otherwise you're worthless in a band like you're just you're pointless because you're just only know how to do your own thing and you're never going to fill in for the play, piano player but you should at least know what it's like to sit on that side of the stage so that you're not just completely oblivious to their thing and that's something that maybe not that exact point point of view but they're going to want you to experience other things because they're so confident in their ability and they know that you need to be well-rounded as a student if they're like you shouldn't go anywhere else because we got you covered oh man I, i've never been to one like that but i'd be scared right like i can't imagine anything that's like oh we got you covered don't go anywhere else and, and i wasn't referring to an instructor saying uh you shouldn't go to anyone i was saying no, i think that's more like schools or yeah, what to call them. Yeah, like the like regiment. academies type thing. Like NRA. Yeah. NRA is yeah. like we got everything you need. They don't really yeah. care if you go anywhere else. They're just like we got it all here. Like don't worry about it. We got it all covered. Oh yeah, you got it all covered for like what you do in your narrow lane. But that's not the same as well. Mm -hmm. I could use a million analogies, but that's not the same as all the variety that's out there. Yeah, there there are a lot of people I think that especially that might be new to the idea of training is they hear well i hear masada ayub's good i hear chris costa's good i hear jaeger's good i hear reed's good i hear Pinkus is good and so they want to go to this person and say all right i want to take all of this guy's classes because that's who they've heard is good and that's the idea that i want people to get away from is um don't focus on one instructor uh, because you don't, and there's something, there's something we haven't even touched on yet, um, uh, that we haven't even discussed, but, um, learning styles, there are some instructors that are going to be more hands-on visual. There's going to be more instructors that are more of a lecture talking. And if, if you're someone that's a visual learner, 
and you find yourself with an instructor that's more audio and, and, and likes to talk and lecture about the stuff, you're not going to get um, the most out of that class on the reverse side. If you're someone that likes the audio side of it and you're, you're more of an audio learner, but this person doesn't talk a whole lot, but he's going to have you do a lot, you might not learn. So once again, these are all things that if you're looking to go to your first training class or you know, your first, but you know, if you're not well experienced in the training, these are questions when you call to sign up for that class and say, Hey, you know, I'm new to this. I hate to ask them these questions, but you know, kind of what's your teaching style? Cause I want to make sure that I'm going to maximize my learning potential from you. But there's a lot of things to be said about going to learn from a lot of different instructors. Once again, you should be able to learn something from every single class you go to. And sometimes learning is, is don't do it this guy's way, but you learn something, but you should be able to pick up something from every class you go to um, that you haven't seen before, you haven't heard before, or it might be a little bit different take on it or whatever, but that's, that's just going to put all that into your mental Rolodex. And at that point, once you start going to a lot of these classes and you learn all these different techniques and methods, you'll figure out what you want to do with all of this information. But if you focus on one person's point of view and only one person's side of the information, I, I, I'm not saying that you won't do well and you won't get better. You, you will, but you're leaving yourself out of a lot of great conversations and a lot of great information out there. Um, It'd be like just listening to one station on the radio all the time. Absolutely. You know, I love country and and I'm going to listen to nothing but country music ever. Man, there's a lot of great music out there outside of country or whatever. You know, yeah, absolutely. No doubt about it. Or even you might listen to whatever classic rock. But if there's four other classic rock stations, this one might be more towards Leonard Skinner and you've never heard of Pink Floyd or whatever. And this other channel is playing a lot more Pink Floyd or, you know, yeah, I, I get your saying we get on that rabbit hole, but I, I don't want to go there, but yeah, exposing yourself to as much information and as much experience, because the only way for you to gain experience is learn from the experience of others. And the more people that you can learn and get experience from the better you're going to get to uh ghost listens to country i literally listen to everything um ask buck he's been in a car with me before ask clover he's been in a car with me before i literally will have nat king cole uh the beatles pink floyd led zeppelin metallica brad paisley george Strait, tupac biggie and some uh bocelli and pavarotti all of my playlist literally I've got it all in my playlist. Uh, I listen to everything. There are things that I like more than others, but um, yeah, you grew up in Texas, whether you want to or not, you're going to listen to country a little bit. That's just, that's Clover knows it's a rite of passage. You may not like it, but you can't avoid country growing up in Texas. That's just the way it is. Uh, I, I literally have the weirdest, most, I don't know. I would say the most eclectic playlist you could probably ever have i'm not a big thrash metal guy so that's probably the only really and i don't like like techno like club whatever they call it house music or whatever um i'm not a big that so 
anything else I listen to. Uh, Clover G, um, we're coming up. We're on an hour and a half right now. I know G kind of got in there a little bit late, but uh, Clover, do you have anything about what we've been talking about with training um, that you want to add on to someone who's maybe thinking about training for the first time, or I shouldn't say first time, maybe an inexperienced person that's going to go look for training? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think the, we've been covered most of it. I think the biggest thing is just, uh, you know, kind of vet everything out, make sure you're going to what you, you know, you want to go do. Right. Yep. Exactly. Um, gee, is there any kind of last, uh, words of wisdom when it comes to training that you would like to give out to someone that might be thinking about up in their game and in the training side? We're talking firearms again, specifically. Uh, specifically, but I mean, I think that here's the thing: we're talking firearms specific, but no matter what you correlate and translate it to, training in anything is training, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, go for it. So, if we're not a big as big hurry, then I'll start with uh, you know getting all around training is always a great idea. So the stop the bleed and everything in that question was, you know definitely like so you can get that for free like i would definitely do that take people to it and go to it often best advice i ever heard is if you can't remember the name of your last first aid instructor then that means you need first aid training again and that's a good way to kind of remember if you can remember all that stuff yeah. right um so first aid training often you can it's perishable and it changes think about cpr how that changes all the time so the other thing is when you talk about training talk to people just like music or um, martial arts or some. If you talk to somebody who's a fanatic, crazy about it, then take that with a grain of salt. And if you talk to somebody who's never even gotten off the couch before, take that with a grain of salt. A lot of these trainers existed, have personalities and stuff, uh, because some of them were comfortable with the internet and some of them weren't. And they all have a fascinating life story, the, the big ones that we all know about that are common. But the stuff that's coming up is unknown and potential right but also potential on both sides so just like somebody who played in a band and was very successful that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be a good instructor i mean they can go look what i do now do it you know i mean that doesn't help you but then there's the person who trained them there's those coaches out there there's people that have done miraculous incredible stuff who trained them and what happens when they retire and they become instructors they've never had a name they were mentioned in books by pseudonyms because they were still active and yep. people had ultimate respect for them. So you may have an idea, but think about who trained all the branches, period, right? Where do they go? And if you think they go to some like deluxe military everything training, you're wrong. They just pay ultimate dollars and go to the people who we go to. So if they go privately and they go maybe somewhere cool they bring and them they to the base the engagement, yeah. exactly. Yep. They go back to wherever they, you know, but these guys, we live in the best time ever. So there was a time when you couldn't conceal carry in our lifetimes, right? There is a time when the police carried around revolvers pretty much in our lifetimes, right? Yeah. All that information got taught to the police, developed and taught to the police in our parents in our lifetimes. And it's all been, you know, used in on the streets and in the world and evolved. And, you know, the, uh, the instructors every retired from their their active duty positions and have become instructors now for decades. Clint Smith, Masada Yub, um, well, I'm going to be investing a bunch of them, Paul Howe, like all the real ones, right? And we have access to them. They're still available. If you even have an inkling to go train, you can train with Masada Yub. There's people 
that can go train with Clint Smith. Right? I'm saying like that's that's not going to ever happen again, right? So here's why it's never going to happen again because the way that those guys were trained and their experience is different than it'll ever happen again because now we have people that were trained by the, these guys so they understand the mindset they took it and applied it with the rules of engagement in a battlefield that's never experienced before both on in law enforcement and in military those guys have taken their skill sets and come back so again that's like the rock bands they're either coming back as like lead singers who you may or may not want training from or the guys who are training them gals and guys that were training them there's mm -hmm. gals over there that, that are doing stuff with, with delta that dudes dream about being able to do and they're coming back and training girls what is going to happen when that happens and think about the girls that are being inspired by that happening right now the world's and, changing this is the we'll see, training and, and we'll see 10 years from now the I don't know how you would put it, but 10 years from now, we'll see a lot more female instructors that are learning now, 10 years from now, now they'll be the instructor. Like you're saying, I mean, that's, that's, yeah. that's open up a lot more because that's to get more females out there and all that. But yeah. I, I think nobody, a lot of nobody goes to instructor classes anymore to like learn grip and learn trigger yeah. pull and this stuff. They've, they all know that and the, the, the evolution of what is taught at training and the capabilities. Look at it. I saw the coolest thing. You look at somebody from the Olympics in the black and white days, the 20s or 30s or whenever they first had videos at the Olympics and people yeah. are like doing push-ups on that. You know, when they jump around on the floor, they're just like sure. doing push-ups and rolling over. Nowadays, they like jump up into the air like if they're a cricket or something, do three or four flips, land on the ground into the splits and like roll over and do something. You know what I'm saying? That's just yeah. practice, 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 an evolution of practicing all the time. It's not like people, I mean, what, they have maybe some help, you know, some growth muscle enhancements, but it's not like they're bionic yet. Like this is just practice and, and develop and skill set. So that's all happening with all of these skills. So we're in the, yeah. we're, we're sitting here and all these states got concealed carry. So there's a lot more people concealed carrying and all those experiences and the holsters and all that stuff. That's whatever Masada Yub is teaching us from the days of like what he carried around. And I mean, he's, he's developing, he's not staying stagnant, but imagine taking a snapshot of any training from early nineties, sure. it would have been the experience of nylon holsters, leather and revolvers. Yeah. You could have never even taught the kind of stuff we're dealing with today. And now you've got the legal aspect of it. You've got the, what do you call like the, the, um, the, this aspect of it with cameras and stuff. If you go take training and you think firearms training, CCW training specifically has nothing to do with body cams and somebody who might be a witness oh. with a cell phone going. And if they didn't bring that up in your CCW class, then you didn't take back. a modern CCW class. You took a, some kind of familiarization to CCW, but you know, CCW classes have a lot to talk about nowadays and you start getting into drones and stuff. And yeah. You know, so anyway, there's a great time to go train in the mindset of CCW. Um, there's a whole, and, and you and I have discussed, you, you told me before I went to go to Jaeger's class a few years back, call me when you get done. Um, I said, okay. So I called, luckily I had about a six hour drive. So I called you, we talked for a little while. Um, the most, obviously taking classes from Jaeger and these different guys, you learn so much, but from someone like Jaeger, which I didn't expect, the most that I took from Jaeger was the mindset stuff, not the actual uh, mechanics of shooting. They're great, but I took the mindset stuff. Um, 
was mind blowing um, for someone that loves that stuff. Um, yeah, it was that was a game changer, and and I literally saw people uh, in that class. There's probably fifty so people at that class, and he had plenty of instructors to to cover that ratio. But uh, there were people that probably left that class that decided I don't want to carry, and that's okay. Um, you're not going to know that until you go and 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 get forced to think about scenarios like that. A good CCW class is is a great one. Um, real quick before they're not going to, sorry, it's not that they're not going to carry it all. It's just that they're going to go home and seriously think about it, and think then once it. they like so, psych themselves up for it, they think they don't just casually throw it on like they did a lot of times. Right. People what they do when they first get it, and they're like, "Oh, now I'm carrying a gun. Oh, what what kind of shoes am I going to wear with my gun?" <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. It's 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 bigger than that, and I think that that's when you find, like you said, it doesn't matter who it is. When you find an instructor, an instructor that gets that side of it and wants to pass the knowledge on to the responsibility, the mindset, not just the mechanics, but the whole big picture of firearms, that's who you want to go find. Um, that's that's who you want to go find for sure. Uh, the last thing we want to bring up before we get out of here, and, and Wes had brought it up, but that was the last thing I had on my pad. Uh, it won't take that long. So I only looked about 15 minutes for it. Uh, we can go longer if we want, but rather, you know, try not to is training versus practicing. And a lot of people will say that training is going to the range and all of that. Uh, yeah, I know Clover. Um, <laughs> um, training is not just going to the range and shooting with your buddies. That's more practice. Um, you can get some good training. We have trained before, and, and if you're learning something, great. The difference is, is you go to training to learn something, and then you take that knowledge or that skill or whatever, you take it home with you, which is the most important thing about training is not leaving that shit at the class. You're wasting your time and your money and your efforts if you just go to a class just to go to the class and then you go back to your range and do the same shit you were always doing. The practice comes in to take the information that you've learned in training, take that home, whether it's at the range or dry firing or where you're, whatever it is, and practice whatever skill sets that you have deemed from that class to be important to you and something that you want to implement into your mechanics, your, your mindset, whatever that is, You've got to practice that. So practicing isn't training and training isn't practicing. You have to have both to be successful. My opinion, a lot of people say you don't have to have training. Clover might disagree with me on when I say you have to have both. He might sit there and knowing Clover, he probably will say that uh, you don't have to have training. I'm under the, I believe, I subscribe to the idea of you have to have training and you have to practice to get out of what you want it. Uh, I know Clover, you were unmuting there for a second. Uh, whatever you got, come on in. No, I was, I've been back and forth on the mute cause it's we got thunderstorms and all going through here. Ah, so I gotcha. didn't know what was going on, but uh, yeah. now I, mean, I don't disagree with train and I certainly don't, I'm not an advocate to say don't go train. Um, mm -hmm. I say, do what you want to do and you feel you need to do. Um, it's just, where do you, what do you define as training? 
because yeah, my daughter come over tonight. My daughter come over tonight, and of course she just they just moved back from Florida, right? And so mm-hmm. you know, she had to do for her job here. I had to do some training, right? And she went online on the internet here because they don't have internet yet. They just moved back and uh, you know used the internet here and went on and did her training, right? Mm-hmm. So you know what are you defining as training? And and so training is learning something from somebody else and then or practice something new right and then practice is doing true things. yeah lear- yeah it had yes yeah, learning something new it could be a it could be even a a new technique mm-hmm. and the lights just flickered wondered if my internet crapped out oh um, no, i hear you i still hear you so yeah it could be you know it could be not something new and like totally new, right? In other words, oh, well, I've learned cooking. Now I'm going to learn how to sew. It could be, you know, well, like I'm, a new way I'm, or whatever. It could be I've learned I've learned cooking tort- homemade tortillas. Now I'm going to learn how to bake a cake, right? It's it, you know, it's it's in the same wheelhouse, mm-hmm. um, or certain types of tortillas, even making them or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but once you once you learn that new thing through some type of training. Uh, practice is exactly what it is. It's the routine application sure. of what you of what you have learned because we all know repetition, no matter what you're doing, repetition is where the muscle memory comes from. It's where the retention of that knowledge comes from and in various other various other things, how comfortable you are with certain things. So Absolutely. um yeah, it's it's there's two separate things and you know, I don't think you can necessarily have one without the other. If you have absolutely zero basis of knowledge with firearms and you go out and you buy a farm and you know nothing except for that's a firearm. I've seen them in movies. I've seen them on TV. And you go out and you buy a firearm, you know, and then you go straight to the range. Yeah. Could you find somebody at the range that could potentially train you in safety if meaning you get tell really you lucky, meaning you, get lucky. you know maybe right so maybe. um but we all know there's all kinds of resources online and and you know so for everybody it's going to be a little bit different i guess is what i'm is what i'm saying um for the vast majority it goes back to your poll about basic rifle and basic pistol right it's like as G was talking about auditing and going back and revisiting those classes, totally different thing than Absolutely. you don't know any of the information that's already there in those things. Right. Or at least the basics enough to get you by, right. To be able to utilize other resources to build up your knowledge base to then go practice. So, yep. um, and like I said, for everybody, it's, it's going to be different. Absolutely. Uh, G, anything you want to touch on on the training versus practice uh, uh, discussion? I guess what he was saying, what Clover was saying there with the, um, like, if you think that you can go to training without practicing afterwards, that I could see where he gets his, like, like fear and hatred of training because it, we never said that. But if he interpreted it that way, that like right you just training as a substitute for practice we don't you know that's not the goal or nothing so that's that's a great point that neither one of them is standalone for sure right. and i'll just say that just to clarify that or whatever like i'm just screwing screw around but um it would be like i don't know just you can do anything you can pick up a racquetball bat you can pick up a guitar you can pick up uh anything and then fiddle with it and you're going to figure out a way to do something and if it satisfies you that you're doing it then great you know move on 
But if somebody who's an expert at it can come along and go, hey, you know, if you hold the paddle that way or if you do this instead, now watch. Now it doesn't hurt your wrist or now you can do it twice as fast or, you know, there's some yeah. better way to do it. Then you go, oh, okay, good. But you know what? For the way it works at my house, I got grass over here. I got it. I can't do it twice as fast, so I got to do it this way. At least you know there's another way to do it. And maybe one day you can incorporate that or you go somewhere else and all of a sudden you know how you're not, you're not like um, so accustomed to your own specific tweak that you can't do it in the regular because you've had some experience with the regular and that's where i think training comes in and that's why training can be interesting it's just like um maybe photoshop i don't know how many people might be watching your stuff that play with photoshop or something but if you might watch a video on photoshop because you need to know how to change the background or remove something from somewhere but the person whose video you found was just really good at getting the information across so you sit down and watch a few more of their videos now you don't need to know how to change the pink to blue but now you do because it was just a good way to get the info. And you don't know, know how to remove railroad tracks from a thing, but now you do because it was a good video. And years down the road, you know that PowerPoint or what am I saying? Uh, paint or Photoshop probably can remove turn those railroad tracks pink because I know it can remove the railroad tracks and I know it can turn other things pink. Let me go figure this out. So it's not that training is somehow going to solve all your problems. It just right. opens your mind to realize that there's your ingrained stuff is probably weird and specific to you. And you can, a coach will slap you around and go, you're doing that weird. You can go, I don't care. I'm paying you. So you'll go, okay, you're doing it weird then. Right. But at least you know that. Uh, and then ideally, like I, I, I say, the biggest one is Navy and Army or Navy and Air Force and Navy and Army. Navy's never going to point their guns down because they're scared of shooting their boats. And Army's never going to shoot their guns up, push their guns up because we're scared of hitting helicopter engines. So we could care less about shooting the skids and y'all could care less about shooting us. So that's right. That's right. And, and neither one, neither one's wrong. And if you listen to either one, they're going to give you great examples, but neither one's wrong. And they're both right at the right at certain times. And half the time, it doesn't matter either way. Cause you're not in a boat or a helicopter. You know, and, and that that's funny. You say that because um, let, let's just take, and this is going off a weird tangent. Um, Marine Corps CQB is derived from you know a lot of the Navy SEALs and all of that. Their CQB is different, and the Marines kind of subscribe to that side of things. When we go and clear, and we're going, we're we're entering a room through, let's say, a doorway, and you know the points there, the one guy's there, and our rifles are here. We come through and we we go through that all. Oh, we don't go down. Now you see army guys that will do CQB if they're set, if they're the number two or three, their rifles are on the ground. I never really thought about that till you said that, and that makes absolute sense. Once again, we're talking about backgrounds. Um, you know, if if you went to a CQB class and 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 it was a ranger teaching it, if Tonto was teaching it to you. And chances are he's going to have the two, three, and four man and a four man fire team with their muzzles towards the ground. You go take it from a seal or a marine, and we're probably going to have you tell you that we're going to have our muzzles kind of pointed up to the sky. Um, never thought about that, but it doesn't mean that either of them are wrong. It's no, just different. It, as long as you do it the same way, but knowing right. that people do it different way, now you might go, oh, now I know that that guy's. Doing it from and there's a, and, and, well, by the way, there's another option. If I'm in a scenario that I can't point my muzzle up, 
Exactly. I know now that I can't, you can actually do this also pointing your muzzle down. Or you know? if you stack up with a bunch of dudes who got trained the other way, you're, you understand. You can adjust. That, yes, right? absolutely. I'll throw out there too that the best instructors will also encourage you and give you handouts, something to come home with so that you train, like so that you absolutely. train others. So they'll say, go home and train your family, take the next time you go to the tra range, train your friends while you still got it fresh in your head. You know, because you're going to lose something, but at least, you know, the best way to learn is by teaching and by getting the information back out of your brain is the best way to get it in your brain, right? As soon as you get it filled, especially when you're drinking out of a fire hose at a good instructor for anything, yep. really, anything. Think about it. If you learn guitar, you better go grab a guitar and start teaching somebody who wants to learn guitar how to play that really quick because you're going to mm -hmm. learn it, they're going to learn it, and then they're going to be a little coach for you. You're going to be a coach for them, right? So the best instructors encourage the students to go home and train others, like you say, to then practice and practice and practice. And then what yeah. we would do is, you know, we don't have enough money to go to all of them, even if when I was going to classes for free and stuff, you know, you just don't have enough time or ability to go to all of them. So, you know, these people, and I don't care about long range. Like I would have never gone to a long range class unless somebody, I don't know, I wouldn't even go to a long range class. So right. when guys went all the way to Nacogdoches, Right, they drove all the way from Tucson to Nacogdoches to go to is that Paul Howe, and then you know what I'm saying like they came back and taught us all the stuff they learned, and that mm -hmm. gets us a, a taste. It gives them a chance to. Well, that was actually pretty neat because that's a think about that the whole way back. A couple of dudes refreshing themselves about what they just learned, then teaching it to all of us. But yeah. that kind of system, you know, we're better for that. We're a team. Like we know each other's stuff, and like you know. We know who's better at it than others and you know oh like you were good at this and maybe i figured out oh maybe i do like this like the one dude's pissed i can shoot better than him with irons than he can shoot with all his fancy knowledge and scope just because right. for whatever i never had the scope and i just when i anyway you know what i mean so that Absolutely. that kind of element to training is is out there and then the other thing is when you're just practicing and nothing else you're ingraining bad habits like you're just mm -hmm. pushing bad habits in so i always go with uh, uh amateurs practice till they can do it and professionals practice until they just don't really do it wrong. Not that they're perfect. It's just that it's habit for them. And they just usually always do it right. So when they need to, it's right. It's, it's keeping the capable of doing it right all the time. Yeah. I will say this about instructors. And the last thing I'll say about instructors, uh, when you're doing your research on trying to find an instructor, if that instructor instructor doesn't take training himself from other instructors be wary um you talk to masada we're, 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 we keep if you notice we keep throwing some of these same names out there these are the people that have been doing this for a long time and are established as the cream of the crop the Gagers, masada yubes the, the costas the clint smiths the i mean these guys are the real deal if you were to ask all of those people, they still take training to this very day and they train with other instructors. So they're continuously trying to push their knowledge and they're trying to push their experience level and they're trying to, you know, learn something from other people and refresh themselves. If you find an instructor that basically says, why should I train with someone else? Then walk away please 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 walk away from that person uh real quick g23 uh, bring up he says don't waste your time or money on training if you're not going to practice what you learned i 99.9 percent .9 agree with that 
The only thing that I would sit there and say is this. There are a lot of people, and it's not just in the firearm realm, it's just in general, that truly enjoy school, the academia, the knowledge consumption side of life that literally might go to a training class just to go to a training class and learn and listen and all of that. They're not trying to get better for whatever reason. They're literally there for the academic side of training, whatever training that is. So like I said, I, I do agree 99.9% .9 of it. If you're not going to practice, then don't train. Um, and if you don't practice, if you, like G said, if you're just going to be practicing bad habits, uh, but I will say that there are, because I'm that guy, I have taken uh, a college class with a buddy of mine just for fun, because we both enjoy history. This is about 10, 15 years ago. We took a class that was during the wintertime at the local junior college and basically audited it just for the hell of it. Um, U.S. history, 1864, uh, 18, up to 1864. So everything up to U.S. history, including the Civil War. That sounds probably boring to most of you. I love that shit. Um, but I wasn't there to earn a degree. I wasn't there to get a grade. If you know me, um, then yes, we did have a friendly bet of who would get the highest score in that class with the loser would have to buy dinner. But we went there just because we enjoyed it. We enjoyed the topic. We enjoyed the learning aspect, the, the knowledge, gaining the refresh, if you will. There are people that go to training for those reasons. Very, very small percentage, but yes, uh, and all that. Um, Weston out there says, I took, uh, took six years of piano, but didn't practice as much as I should have. As a result, I can read music, but can barely play a note. 100%. Um, and you take that same scenario and um, Probably like languages. everything. Absolutely. Languages. Absolutely. 100%. Anything. Yeah. Um, Clover, you want to go ahead and. Instead of I, was, I was disagreeing a little bit. I mean, I've, I've seen it with okay. myself. I mean, you know, I don't know the last time I shot my bow in there. I guarantee you I could break it out and outshoot most people around. Okay, um, so let me ask you a question. Put money on that. And with a day or two, maybe, of light practice, could probably go win a 3D archery tournament. Okay, so, so let me ask you this. At this point, you could do that. How many hours of practice did you put in years ago, though? Oh, oh snap. That's great you see what I'm saying? Great point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because that goes back. Well, that goes back to the repetitions, right? There, somebody there said to be, to be good at anything, you have to put in 10,000 repetitions. And I guarantee yeah. you, I put in 10,000 repetitions pulling. Absolutely. Strength, right? So, I'm pretty sure I read that it, it was if you want to get good at something, you got to spend $10,000. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so and I think, and I think that's all you spend ten thousand dollars on gear websites. I think is is if I remember correctly. I'll get good at something if somebody does that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But that's a great uh, point. I you know I never really was thinking about that. But that with it. Is literally the most gifted archer ever. Naturally, at some point you put the time in. You know. 
well, yeah. there's, there's there's people that are always going to be naturally talented or whatever. But the thing is, what we're talking about really is we're going off in a little bit of tangent. But what we're talking about is like a CCW type of situation, yeah. and that something True. that unless you're Oh, I think I heard this on something. It must have been a podcast the other day. Like a regular person goes through one to five traumatic events in a lifetime of a family member passing or like an accident or something horrible, right? Like five, maybe like but a normal person, one to five. And uh, well, it seems awfully low to me. About okay. Paramedics or something. Well, I guess maybe it depends on, you know, that's an average, right? So maybe. Yeah, sure. Maybe. Yeah. So, but there's nobody getting zero. I don't think. Um, but anyway, the deal was like paramedics or police or something deal with X amount per shift or, you know, per quarter or something. Right. And just to kind of, and doctors, you know, imagine. So anyway, there's that kind of thing. Unless you're got nerves of steel because your occupation allows you to work at a sure. different level of chaos. I mean, I used to work lunch rush at a restaurant and I thrived on that. I used to really love that. There was almost no consequence except some Karen would get her sandwich wrong, but like, <laughs> You know what I mean? That was just a fun thing to do, to have a bunch of kids that loved it. Everybody was getting paid. And we enjoyed it. And we got a bunch of people, their sandwiches and stuff. And it was just a fun thing. When you're a kid, you got no other responsibilities, right? Like back then, well, I don't want whatever. I was able to do stuff back then because I was younger and I was used to having a sharp head, right? But could I do kind of stuff that I used to do back when I was a little kid? I don't know. I mean, I know how to do it, but I'd be like, hold on a minute. Well, right? be, wait a minute here. <laughs> so that's all I'm saying. You can't practice, practice the quickness of all that, but you can do practice of dry fire and stuff to where the draw and the response is ingrained and you can pay 100% of your attention on reaction to the situation as opposed to, oh, wait a minute, am I in a situation? And now what do I do? Because now you got two stresses. Once you get to that point where you know what you're doing as a reflex, mm -hmm. Uh, then, and, and especially if you've gone to force on force, because now you know what you literally yeah. can do in motion and with somebody pushing you or something. But anyway, yes. that's all I was going to say. Is that, um, well, I'll, I'll have to repeat it. But that's the evolution of the training is you can't get to this level without starting at this level. True. And so there's there's increments. And, and no matter if it's firearms training or life in general, you know, I will say this, as much as we like to think so at 16 years old, we used to think that we knew everything about the damn world. And as you get to 26, you're like, okay, those guys are pretty much an idiot. When you get to 36, you're convinced that guy was an idiot. When you get to 46, you just laugh and say, stop. What a so, kid, right? Exactly. So, I mean, that's, that's just experience. And no matter what we're talking about, well, experience is going to trump what you think your knowledge level is at the time. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm in no way advocating that you don't, uh, that you don't practice. I, you know, no, I, no, fire, no, no, no. I fire rounds, you know, no, you almost, almost every single day, literally. Right. And so, um, I guess what I'm, what I'm getting at is, you know, I don't want somebody when you throw it out and you go, Oh, it's a perishable skill. I don't want people have lives. People have jobs. Things happen. Right. Mm -hmm. And I don't want somebody that's that's carrying and they have went to a train. Let's say they went to Pincus or 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 uh, Jaeger or whoever. Right. And, you know, they've gotten their license to carry. They went through that. They went through some type of a formal training, you know, and they've done well for a few months or whatever. And they've stayed on a schedule with their practice and things like that. And then something happens with life, right? Be it a sickness. Maybe mm -hmm. they end up in the hospital for several months and they've got to worry about recovery. And then the next thing you know, it's been six or eight months since they fired a shot. 
and it's like, oh, it's a personal skill. Well, you're going to find quickly if you're in that situation that, you know, if you're away from it from a little while, you're going to be able to pick it back up pretty quickly. I mean, it's a cumulative Absolutely. thing. It's not like oh, you're going to have to completely relearn the wheel. You, or whatever. you just described it, though. That's the, that's literally every single person. I mean, it's very rare that somebody does anything different than what you just said for the most part, except for the last part. So all the things you just said, you somebody decides to take some training, they go take some training, they learn it. They practice for a little while because they just paid a lot of money for that training. They're super stoked. And they're about excited. It. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. They're training, they're training other folks and everybody's digging it. And then everybody gets bored. Like you just said, all the real stuff happens. But here's the thing. It's just throw guitar in there, throw anything like you learned how to drive a motorcycle or play tennis or something. So normal life. And then eight months down the road, especially if you put yourself on some kind of a, a, a schedule, like a, what do you call it? like a timer, like give me, give me eight months and then think, you know, and then I go, oh, okay dry fire practice some more you go do it for an afternoon we're not talking like you got to go do this every morning that's if somebody wants to be in a competition and they're training to do some uh performance level of performance but in real life yeah like you learn the stuff you got the concept and then you go to the range and when you go to the range instead of just shooting smiley faces because you saw it in a movie or wasting your time Maybe you've got a 50 round drill that gives you a run through the various things that you know you want to concentrate on offhand shooting, uh, two shots, single shot, two shots here, one shot here. Just some simple things that you know as a drill will make your brain think a little bit and do some trigger pull and maybe throw some dummy rounds in there, give yourself some malfunctions. So, you know, so you get a failure to feed, you induce a failure to feed so that you have to react to it and stuff that you can do on a range. If you put that into your schedule of stuff that you do, you don't have to do that every time you go to the range, but unless you want some level of performance. But if you just remember to do that every eight months or something, that's like picking up your guitar and going, can I still play that song? And if you go, oh, you know what? I can't. Let me sit down at YouTube until I can play that song again. And now I'll put the guitar down for six months and pick it up and see if I can play that song. That's what we're talking about. Um, that's the practice makes perfect. The idea that somebody gets up like, Probably Dan Mueller gets up and shoots in her backyard every morning. Right. You know, she's a professional shooter, and she's trying to do that. And it's then also her job. Yeah, exactly. And she also yeah. gets 50 ladies together, go to Washington, D.C., and become resources for the representatives there so that Biden has to do this kind of garbage as a frustrated attempt. Anyway, but Dan Mueller's an example of somebody who's doing it at a level that most people aren't mm-hmm. even achieving to, right? So I think that's something, too, that somebody who's not inclined to do anything will default to the extreme. Well, you expect people to get up every morning and do dry fire practice with a bullet in their mouth, blindfolded, with a video going, with some kind of timer. And it's like, uh, no, unless you're making a video YouTube video about that. You know, nobody's really doing that unless you're training for the Olympics or something. Right. You know, Defense Ted says if you practice those drills you learned in your class, though, it often saves ammo and is more fun anyways. This is very, very true. Um so yeah, there, there's there's a lot of drills. There are some drills that are kind of just staples that um, I use as a warm up when I get to the range. But like the Mozambique and the build drill, some of those, um, they're just drills. Every time I go to the range, they're just incorporated. That's how I I, I don't do anything else before I do the Mozambique or the build. You know, um, that's just how you how you, how i do it but yeah you, you learn some of these drills that um are gonna not necessarily teach you a different skill but they're going to enhance your skills that you've already learned by doing certain drills and a lot of people that i see 
are timid to do certain drills because um, they're not going to be successful right away. And if they don't do those drills, those are the drills that you want to do. Why are you only going to do drills that you know that you're going to be successful at? You should really do the drills that, that give you nuts and, and like you're not very good at. Because if you can master those and you have figured out something to make you a better shot or a better whatever it is, um, that's what I would say to people is don't do the same drill that you have mastered. Once you've kind of gotten the hint of a drill, go start another drill that's new to you that you sit there and say, man, that's that's tough. I, you know, I don't know if I want to do that. That's the one you want to do, because if you can make that drill, you can master that drill and you can get good at that drill then obviously you've increased your knowledge and, and your mechanics to be able to do that. So you've learned some other skill set that's going to make you a better shot. We're talking firearms realm at this point. Um, Clover, do you have anything that you want to uh, close up with? Um, if not, then what what can people find you? What do you got? What kind of projects you got going on? But more importantly, like I said, if you've got anything you want to touch on as far as a training and practice, do that first. Uh, oh man, we've covered a lot. I think the yeah, covered a lot. Yeah, point is to get out there and do it, right? Get out there and shoot one way or the other. Shoot, yeah, you know. Um, and I'll say this: you're right. Before I bring, I'm, I'm going to step on your toes a little bit here. If you can't afford, or you you don't want to go to get training. Can you find resources out there that can make you a better shot? Yes. And I'll bring us in that Clover said from the very beginning, trigger time is the most important thing. So, um, you know, you'll be able to figure something out. Practice, just getting to trigger time. If for no other reason, it could be a stress releaser. I mean, you know, there have been times when I've called Clover and said, I don't even want to go and do drills. I don't want to turn a camera on. I want to go put 50 rounds through my AR yep. just to chill the hell out. You yeah. know? Well, I mean, you know how many videos I put out, you know, um, yeah. as far as, you know, not at an event or whatever, but yeah. from here. Uh, and I shoot almost every day. So that tells you, you know, weather permitting. So that tells you right now yeah. that I shoot way more than I film shooting and there's a reason because i enjoy it so, um what can um what, what kind of projects do you have going on i know i know you don't do much but if you were going to do something um what, what do you got coming up for podcasts or videos or gear report stuff well, anything coming down the pipe i dropped a uh i dropped a really interesting video just before we went live here uh, that's so far is doing really freaking well. So, you know, however many people is listening here, I know they haven't broken off to go watch it. Go watch it because uh, I'd be interested in what you think. I, I certainly thought it was pretty freaking cool. Um, tomorrow I've got my medic, so kind of goes in with oh, those on feeling better, feeling uh, better, huh? Yeah, yeah, they've they've rescheduled, gonna do them tomorrow and then. Uh, I won't have any more podcasts probably till after NRA. I've got to, uh, you know, the, the plight and the pain of being a gun tuber, but I've got so many things on the books. I got to try to get done. That's, uh, you know, promised and obligated and whatever, which is unfortunately a drawback. And, uh, so I got to kind of try to crank that stuff out, uh, mm. as the thunder rolls outside and it freaking rains, but, uh, I got to find a way to crank that stuff out between now and NRA. And then that gives me a chance at NRA to, uh, 
schedule out some more folks for, for podcasts moving forward and, and stuff like yeah. that. So, uh, yeah, just the same old crap, different day, quite honestly. I understand that. Uh, gee, what, uh, what projects are you working on? Uh, where can people find you and your different stuff that you're going, by the way, um, I am happy to see DGS coming back. Um, really, uh, really like that. Uh, do I see WD's question? Question. I didn't know if you wanted to. Okay. Yeah. I, I just, I, I just saw this. Um, so before we go to G, what are the top five drills or regular civilians should be doing? I don't know if I would go with like, if there's like a number five and an arrangement order, I'll tell you drills that I do. There are three drills that I do on a regular basis. You have the Mozambique drill. You have the build drill. And for me, and G kind of brought it up. I don't know if he was talking about this particular one. Uh, he said some kind of a 50 round drill. Um, if you've never seen a dot torture test drill, I that's my favorite drill. Now you have to have 50 rounds, but you're going to have to do half. a lot of different things. What's that? Just cut it in half. Literally just do half of what it says to do. And you can Absolutely. You can do that as well. No doubt. Yeah. But the dot torture test is going to uh, make you do a lot of different things and be familiar with your firearm and you'll kind of see where you stand. Uh, that's probably my favorite all time drill, but drills that I do on a regular base are Mozambique and kill uh, in the, uh, the build drill G Clover G will go to you first. Um, uh, what are the go-to drills for you? I've been, I've experienced a couple of interesting ones, but that dot drill is the only one that I remember a bother with and you can fiddle with it if you like, but it's sure. the idea is that there's a piece of paper, eight and a half by 11, just normal size piece of paper. What are the dots like size of a golf ball? Maybe. Oh, they're probably two inches and 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 yeah, just, I would say there's just like nine dots and a tenth dot. They're just like some dots on a piece of paper, so it's very easy to just print it. You don't have to do nothing. You just print it on a printer or scribble it on with a sharpie marker and you remember the steps. And I can't remember them exactly, but it's like the first dot is shoot two rounds with your let's say one hand or draw and shoot two rounds or something like that. And the next yeah. one is draw and shoot two rounds with your other hand. And then it's like draw, reload, and shoot. It's like a couple. It's like each one gives you something to do, and it go, runs you through everything you might want to do to keep your hands and your elbows nimble while you're manipulating the firearm and running through shooting 50 rounds. And you can go pretty much as slowly as you want. And uh, it's 50 rounds, so it's one box of ammo. You only yep. can you have a bunch of them in your range bag or whatever or like i say just use any piece of paper and scribble the assortment of dots on there and uh and it's like a tuning fork or it's like a tuning thing for a guitar it it makes sure that all your strings are good it makes sure that you're in tune or whatever so that whole concept before we were talking about it, you want to do something every once in a while make sure you still got it this yep. is a great way you're like you shoot this and you go you know what i missed all over the place with my left hand or my right yep. hand or whatever or maybe drawing, like I kept mm -hmm. snagging my holster. I mean, once you know what you're doing, you know, you go, oh, wait a minute, look what I'm doing. I got my roll of dimes in my, hold in my pocket. I shouldn't have done that. I'll move that. And now you're back on track, right? Like whatever it is that it's the it's the only trail I bother with. So we came up with after, like I kind of explained, we went to a lot of different classes and stuff for a while there because we were really digging it. And we came up with a couple of our own that we thought were cool, sure. mainly for rifles. And they would be, 
different levels of like be it prone at long distance, be it knees at mid distance and, and move sure. around close distance and then mm -hmm. use a box of ammo because most of the time we were trying to not waste a bunch of ammo really sure. and just give ourselves some interesting it's it's interesting to do at the range and it's efficient and it's it's not something that's so complicated that you gotta where i'm spending way too much time even talking about it. if you read it you'd get it in half the time it took me to say it right because it's so obvious but that's yeah. that's what i remember or do i recommend yeah i, I put uh, i just went google dot torture test and found uh, a pdf and I'm, I'm sharing the screen right now so i put the link out there you can download this eight and a half by eleven um thing and so it's somebody it's, did come up with it somebody does get the credit i, I, don't, I don't know who did i really i wish i i wish i knew it's usually right on there nobody's trying to steal it from anybody i think it's in the small word yeah. so it's, it's some guy an instructor who figured it out by david blinder from personal defense training.com i don't know if he's the one who came up with it this no. target was adapted from this guy so yeah um but yeah this is basically the dot torture well, that's the only uh, one I've seen so that's the one that i've was yeah. experienced for years or decades now so yeah everybody yeah. uses it so you have this first circle that says five shot slow fire it's not timed okay it's not timed you're taking five shots and you're trying to get all five shots inside that number one circle then you go to number two that says draw one draw one shot and do that five times so then you have three and four you have draw one on three one on four so you draw, shoot at number three, and shoot at number four. Reholster, do that four times. Uh, number five is draw, five shot strong hand. Then you come down to six and seven, and it says draw two, draw two on six, two on seven, do that four times. Number eight is go from the ready position, five shots weak hand. Weak hand only, by the way. And then nine and ten are draw one on nine, a speed reload, one on ten, do that three times. So once again, you're you're incorporating strong hand only, you're incorporating weak hand only, you're incorporating from the draw, you're incorporating a speed reload. And what I suggest you do, and G kind of brought this. Let me stop sharing here. Uh, what G brought this up here is um, whether it's dummy rounds or a spent casing or whatever. Um, load your magazines up to where you're going to have to manipulate for a malfunction. Uh, this is a not timed, so it doesn't matter what time it is, but force yourself to, to add your own flavor to the dot torture, whether it's the slow fire five shots. Well, put a piece of bra empty brass in there that makes you're going to have to, you know, manipulate that slide and, you know, uh, simulates a malfunction or put some dummy rounds in there or whatever, do something that you can add whatever flavor to this you want. So absolutely. Um, there's yeah. probably a lot of concern. You can also just print this out on a very, very thin onion skin. So if you're shooting nine millimeter, you don't have to worry about it not being able to get through the paper. It, 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 well, you know, and, and that's, that's fair. Um, you do, if you're going to shoot the dot torture with nine millimeter, you probably want to be, inside 10 feet uh to give it the maximum uh effectiveness of that that round um no doubt i think clover probably had some weather issues but um yeah uh, we're just joking about that guys out there so don't take us seriously we we, we kid um 
but then I would say you can add stuff to it, like um, go faster. Like, you know, it is normally like a non thing, but you can, yeah, once you you're can feeling- time yourself, and the next time you do it, you try to beat that time or, or that score. You know, I got 48 out of 50 in four minutes. Well, I'm going to give myself the same four minutes, but I want to try to get 49 or 50 out of 50. Or I got 50 out of 50 in four minutes. Next time, I want to get 50 out of 50 in three and a half minutes or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I- or put the holster on the other side, shoot the whole thing opposite. So when it says bad hand, go to good hand, back and forth, right? Absolutely. There's all sorts of stuff that you can do. Um, but that's my favorite drill because it's the only one that I know of that's going to incorporate a lot of different things. Go ahead. The, the other thing is if it says draw and you can't draw at your range, then you just assume that you're send it on the, yeah, do something else, set it on the table, do for whatever they yeah. allow you to do. You just adapt to the range you're at. Absolutely. And then the uh, same thing is you can take that and use it as a thing. We would shoot steel with it. We just put two steels oh, yeah. out there and use the same, what do you call that? Like the same routine or whatever, the same mm-hmm. uh, manual of, I don't know what that's called, but the same steps just to two steels mm-hmm. and it works the same way. It's awesome, actually. Yeah, you don't have to shoot those 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 dots. You don't even have to utilize that as a target. You can put your own silhouette target or a piece of steel or whatever that you use for a target, utilize that. Just print that piece of paper out and it's going to tell you on this sequence of fire, you're going to do this and then you're going to do this. You don't have to use that as an actual target if you don't. We, want that, that made me remember too that we have a guy who's way better. So he'll put a shoot and see circle in the middle of each of the dots and that's his handicap. So that, you know, we make him shoot at those dots because he creams us every time we shoot. Sure. Absolutely. There's all sorts of different stuff, but yeah. Uh, and, and I don't think G, I think G would agree with me. We're not saying that this is the end all be all the best drill in the world. It's I can personally say it's the best drill that I know that gives you, it, it's going to make you practice a lot of different disciplines within your handgun realm. Uh, there's probably drills out there that I don't know that are great, but that's my favorite one. And it's only 50 rounds. A lot of them can end up longer and well, like you said you cut that in half and and do it twice with that same 50 rounds oh that's know? a good one too yeah we one yeah. time sat there and tried to figure out how to get it to as least around as possible that had to be on a live show because i don't remember making that a video but i do remember having a conversation like this and we yeah. sat around trying to figure out how to get it to as least amount of rounds and i think we got it to 20 by pulling some yeah. out of there that were extra but still leaving a couple because sometimes you it's the mind game of shooting twice into the same little circle. And if you're, well, you know what I mean? Anytime you're practicing something with a skill, you're going to, it's the mental part of it, the concentration that's part of it too. So you don't want to remove so many rounds that you get rid of the concentration part and you just make right. it all. Um, yeah. You could literally take your same box of 50 rounds, cut everything on that in half and make it a 25 round course of fire go one to 10 the first time and then go backwards 10 to one with the next 25 or whatever. Mm-hmm. You could shoot this twice with one box. If you wanted to, you can uh, roll a dice, a one to 10 sided dice and do the dots in the order that really the dice tells you instead Absolutely. of, right? yep. you can make a triangle and a square in there and then get something like a little kid dice or a game dice that has a square, or I guess you could just put a square with a Sharpie on there, but you know what I mean? Get a random thing going so that you can even be by yourself and have it where you got to throw the dice. It'll tell you what, what, and then maybe even try to remember what each of the things mean. 
So that's how right there we just adapted it a little bit. And that's pretty much what we've always come up with off of the dot drill. Yep. Uh, defense does the casino drill. Yep. Uh, 21 rounds in 21 seconds, two mag changes and a speed target acquisition. Um, and once again, you could do 21 rounds in 42 seconds or 30 seconds, whatever it is. Um, then when you start getting up in there and you can do the 21 rounds in 21 seconds, you can do that pretty much every time. Let's go 21 rounds in 18 seconds or 15 seconds or whatever. No matter what drill, utilize those drills as base, okay? That's what we want to learn, but throw your own flavor into it. If you're able to do it on and you put it on one of those paper plates as your target, well, the next time you go and do that, use like the dessert paper plate, which is a little bit smaller, and then go to whatever it is and, and force yourself to, once you've gotten to a point where, I'm not saying you're perfect every time, but you're, you're, you're good most of the time, start pushing yourself and take that next step. Um, yeah, that's where I am. That's the, comp that's the competitive side of things. Um, I'm very competitive, uh, mostly with myself. I always push myself to do the best that I can to be the best at whatever I'm doing that I can. Um, it's fun to me. Learning and getting better at a skill set is fun for me. Um, if you're not built that way, that's I, I, I don't understand you, but I'll, I'll it's whatever. Good luck in life. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but for me, it, it, I like challenging myself, and I'll challenge the people that I'm with. Uh, if Buck or Lance or, or Kagan and all these guys that I shoot with a lot are with me and, and Hans, um, we'll, we will literally be sitting there and like, okay, this time we're going to do two rounds, force a mag change, two more rounds, force a malfunction, two more rounds, one more mag change. Just like we'll just figure out some weird shit to do because it's pushing us. And then we're all competitive, so we want to beat the other guy. So it's forcing us to go through. And we'll just literally say, okay, what can we do now? Well, what if we did this? That's when it gets fun is just finding something to do that's going to keep your interest up, that's going to force you to compete a little bit, it's going to force you to get better. Like I said, the last thing you want to do is keep doing the same drills that you have mastered. If you continue to do those drills, yeah, those specific drill, the skills are going to be fine. But if you never push yourself to do something different, you're really never going to develop other skills. So uh, great conversation. Thanks for Clover. I, I hope the weather's okay there, bud. Um, I know Defense Dad said that he's had some issue with uh, lightning and all that. We've had a lot of issues here the last couple of days with hail and everything else, tornadoes. Um, hope everyone out there this time of year across the country, this is really where uh, the dangerous weather comes in. So make sure you guys are safe. Clove, thanks for coming in. Anything you want to close up with? Yeah. Um, so come back in and y'all were hitting on drills and stuff. Yeah. Let me throw this out here. Cause I think this is important. Whenever you're talking a competition setting or, you know, you're, you're training, practicing for self-defense or whatever. Mm -hmm. Fatigue is a real thing. And so in a competition setting, um, you need to experience fatigue and push through fatigue a little bit at times just to build endurance. I agree. Um, however, you don't need to spend all day getting ready, practicing for a competition, <laughs> spend all day and just fatigue yourself. Absolutely tired. That's, that's dumb. And especially not 
prior to a match. Um, in this in the self defense practice area, fatigue is a non factor in, in my opinion. Um, so, you know, don't sit out there all day and train and train and train until you're missing because you're fatigued because you can't breathe and your muscles ache and your shoulders hurt and you're because you also become unsafe at that point and you're sweaty and you're so sweaty you can't you know grip anything and you're getting sweat in your eyes and your ear pros hurting and you know have some fun at that point do do something else (laughs) um but yeah i think that you know stamina obviously physical condition and a lot of things play into into self-defense um but yeah, that would be my suggestion is just mind your fatigue and, and realize because I've seen people be fatigued, not realize it, and they're getting frustrated with things. It's like, hey, well, why am I not doing as good as I should be doing and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, good Lord, you, you know, you've already put 50 rounds down range in 105 degree Texas heat out in the sun. And it's oh, like, yeah. duh, you know, it's going to happen. Yep. Uh, G23, so if you have friends at the range with each of you, load the other's mag so you don't know. Yeah, absolutely. we do that all the time. I mean, me and Buck and Hans and Lance and all of them, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll definitely load each other's mags up. And um, so we'll, there's just going to be a malfunction. They know there's going to be a malfunction somewhere in the mag. They don't know if that's after the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, shot, whatever shot that is. They have no idea. So absolutely. Um, once again, pushing yourself to go get trained to to expand your knowledge to expand your skill set to expand your experience is one thing then bringing it home and practicing it and developing that skill set until it becomes a habit is a whole nother thing both of them are equally as important and i think we've covered a lot of that thanks to g thanks to clover for coming on big shout out to our buddy charlie melton for calling in earlier and, and having some fun and asking him some questions on uh sniper school and yeah, all that that was, that was awesome that was awesome uh love charlie i can't wait to see charlie it's been a, it's, it's been too long since we've seen charlie but um looking forward to see with him but um yeah go check out uh charlie mike precision i know the website's down right now but it will eventually be up here after they get done updating it charlie mike precision on all the social medias as well uh go check out charlie go check out gunwebsites.com gearwebsites.com uh, G did put up his afteraction.net link out there in the chat. So these were my classes from back in the day. Um, so great, so I saw them great on a website because I would back in the olden days I would there was no internet or I mean uh, videos right. So I would just take pictures, yeah. post them on forums and stuff. And some of the forums you may or may not be able to host pictures. So having them on our own website was kind of a necessity. But then it mm-hmm. allowed you know, a place to just archive all those reviews and then just become what do you call that your there's a name for your list of classes. Curator? Oh, no, not your, your Rolodex? Your... Anyway, oh. but, uh, there's a name for when you've got a resume, I guess, whatever. But um, there's a name for it when it's your classes, though. But anyway, that was uh, just, uh, for one, it was handy because then I would start to audit. I didn't pay for hardly any of those classes. I would just audit them and say, hey, I'd like to come and take pictures or whatever, and I know how to stay out of the way, and I'm useful. Marine safety officer and uh, I've done it for these other classes before, and you can take a look at what I've done before. And then they would look and see that I'm just promoting the idea of going to the class, not trying to right. sell their secrets or something. So as a content creator nowadays, it's at a different level, but it's similar. Yeah. So I'd recommend that if you're a content creator and you're interested in training, 
it's beneficial for everybody involved. If you're interested in going, you can go audit the class, ask them if it's okay to audit the class, which means you go there with your camera and you participate, but you don't have to waste any of their resources. They might give you some of the handouts, but they're not gonna give you ammo or time, right? But you can be a fly on the wall and experience many classes that way, and then uh, let people know about the classes. And that's kind of given them some free uh, help and it's given you some knowledge and it's giving you more insight to be able to just have these kind of conversations. So uh, highly recommend it. If you see someone coming into town, I mean, very. what are they going to do? Go, no, I'm too busy this weekend. Or no, this is a class for police only. Half the yeah. time they'll go, heck yeah, this is a class for police only. You ready for that? <laughs> and go get ready to go experience some stuff that normal people can't even go see. And uh, you know what I mean? And if you can get some relationships, then it's more like, I know a guy. And when I'm in Tucson, I'm calling this guy to film our video for us. You know, once you get into that kind of thing, then it's like, hey, we're they're calling you and letting you know, hey, we're going to be in your area. You want to come by? And again, you're meeting with the students and stuff and the alumni. So having a playlist on your socials or, you know, your own place, a page on your website, highly recommend it if you're a content creator. It helps the community out. It helps the specific instructors out. It helps students out. It helps you out. I really think it's win-win-win. It helps the ranges out. Remember to do reviews of the ranges that you go to. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and like you said, more importantly, um, you're, you're getting knowledge, you're getting experience. More importantly, if you've never been to a big training class and you go audit one, you will have knowledge now of how one of these classes works, what to, what to bring to a class. Uh, that's the biggest thing is a lot of people don't even talk about. A lot of people don't even know what to bring to a class outside of holster gun ammo you don't realize you might be on a range for eight hours that day you need to bring bottled water some snacks i mean all this stuff but if you go and audit a class and you say oh i'm doing this you'll be able to see what people brought things that went bad when things that went good there's yep. all sorts of stuff that you can learn just from going to watch a class absolutely yeah for sure um yeah thanks everyone for watching if you made it two and a half hours God bless you. That's two and a half hours. You will never get back. Um, but I appreciate you wasting your your time with me and uh, our guys. Um, more importantly, um, go get some training, practice. If you need some help on deciding certain things, I know that G and Clover and myself have absolutely zero problem with you contacting us and act as asking our opinions, some guidance. There's a lot of people out there that would be more than willing to help you out. So, um, yeah, um, it was it was fun. She says it was fun to talk training. And and uh, I can talk training all the time. I love it um, because there's so many different things you can talk about. But, guys. Well, you got into the bag there. We didn't get into We didn't even talk about that. And then I was going to say, like, yeah. armors, like 3D printing. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's so many other kind of like uh, building classes. Like there's so many different kinds of classes too. No doubt about it. Yeah. There's, there's all sorts of stuff. And, uh, but so look, feedback, if you want to hear another training. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and I'll tell you this in, um, when you get done going to some training, um, and you want someone to talk to about it, maybe you're excited or you're pissed or you don't understand, um, first of all, don't ever leave a training class not understanding. Go up and ask them questions. If they don't want to answer, 
then you took the wrong class with the wrong instructor, but ask them. But yeah, if you ever want to talk about it, call me. I'm sure Clover or G will more than be happy to have to talk to you on the phone about different stuff. So yeah, you know, always reach out if you can. Uh, for those that are watching this in replay or listening to podcast, um, the conversation does not have to stop right now. Utilize the comment section. Let us know what training classes you have taken, which training classes that you recommend, what type of classes do you think that should be the ones that people think about. So uh, thank you very much. Next week, we talk knives, and, and everyone knows I'm a knife guy. Uh, we're going to talk all sorts of knives, and I'm going to try to bring in some special guests. You're not uh, a knife uh, guy. You like knives. You're not a knife you're right. guy. I'm Come not on, a knife man. guy. I'm not a knife guy. Uh, I'm a knife guy when it says I love knives and I have a lot of them. What's but the yeah, I, um, I don't make knives. I don't do that. Is that I'm assuming that's what Clover's saying. Um, I'm a I'm a knife collector. You're but not I'm like not a, an aficionado or anything. I'm a more aficionado. I am not like a knife like collector as far as I'm buying this knife to. It's a collector's item. I just I see a knife. Most of my knives are under fifty bucks. And I love that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're going to talk knives, which I like knives a lot. So we'll talk knives next week. So join us for that. Once again, thanks, G, and thanks to Clover for uh, joining this in this train wreck. We hope that everyone's safe out there in the weather. Um, stay safe. Stay safe. Stay safe. We'll talk to you soon. Simplify.